list episode. It's like they're very popular. Mm-hmm. I both consider them very stupid, but at the same time, I fall for them hook, line, and sinker as well. Yeah, like I won- I, yeah. They, my, they my, suck, my- but at the same time, the lizard brain is like, yeah, I want to hear a list. Exactly. <laughs> like I like you know the part of the logical, the Spock in me is like that list don't make sense. How do you judge movies in this banner? Like, you know, what's the difference between the sixth best movie and the seventh best movie? Like, oh, it's ridiculous. No. Sitting around this morning for a good half hour being like, so how do I compare past lives with the killer? Uh, it's <laughs> like, I don't know how. Like, no. there's no logic there. Like, <laughs> worlds. It's like, yeah, it's like, uh, how do I compare? I used compare to like, be so opposite. into them when I was like in high school with like albums and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it would be like, they put like um, Miles Davis kind of blue next to Led Zeppelin four. They're both great. Yeah, but how? What are they? They're, like different. They're, they're barely of the same universe. Like yeah, different genres, different worlds, just totally they, different experiences. The thing that they share is the concept of music and a group playing music. But other than that, it's like yeah, and it's, yeah. It's like masterful. Like, all this stuff is masterful, and these are great. But, yeah, it's, like, it's so difficult, and it's just so arbitrary, and yet, can't get in, I can't get enough of it. No, I love reading. I love reading little lists. I love gobbling up little lists. Oh, one, of the, one of my uh, most annoying things was, uh, was it Metacritic? They stopped compiling... They had this thing. They used to have this thing. I think it was called like Awards Watch or something like that. And they would compile all the top 10 lists together. And they stopped doing that this year. And it was such a bummer because I used (laughs) to like, they would just have everything together. You'd go, you know, if you wanted to see what uh, Pete Travers thought the top 10 of the year was or like, or like obscure, like, you know, uh, like even uh, even things that drive you nuts, like Armand White or Richard Brody, (laughs) who are completely opposite ends of the damn spectrum. Yeah. But they're so like you just don't know what they're going to do. It's well, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's, it's kind of exciting really. Oh, for sure cuz like well Armand White put like, you know, uh like the latest Adam Sandler film on his top 10 like cuz you know he loves like I pronounce you Chuck and Larry. He was a huge I pronounce you I Chuck and Larry was, fan. And I think that was like the same year Sideways and he was like it's so much better as a buddy film than Sideways. Yes. His his New York press area was pretty fun. Oh, it was pre-National Review. Yeah, because it was like National Review just kind of like just opened the door to what was always there. But like the when he was writing for like a regular publication, it was at least like, oh no, he's just a weirdo at this publication. Now it's like, no, he's just a conservative crank, and that's far more boring. Yeah, he's basically just like a a more annoying Kyle Smith, (laughs) the New York Post uh, film critic. He is at least crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, Kyle Smith is like just like a Bush, like a guy, they asked a guy from the W. Bush administration to be a movie. Yeah, God, yeah, it looks like his name is like Fenton uh, Knot or something. He just has a dumb, he looks, he has a bow tie. He looks like a little bow tie oh, man. Yeah, he's absolutely a bow tie guy. Hello, and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and definitely not bow tie wearing scientifically proven greatest performance of your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Remian, and yeah, I just, uh, I ride skateboards, I, uh, 
a, a slurp down gogurt. I am not a bow tie man. I'm we cool. are not bow tie guys. If you've ever seen um, an episode of Thirty Rock where a man by the name of Steve Buscemi shows up in with a skateboard and hoodie, um, yeah. that's it's kind us. of more the style we're presenting on this. We're show. trying. <laughs> we're trying to chase youth, sweet never. We're chasing youth. So exactly. on that note, of course, we're doing our top of the 2023 list right here. <laughs> We're chasing the youth by clearly, you know, it's it's just numbers one through ten. Yeah. Number one through nine, Barbie. Number ten, I don't know, the Iron Claw. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's old Mr. You know, Claw. Iron Claw. Iron Claw's made thirty million dollars at the box office. That's really, really, really good. That's, That's awesome. Cr- That's yeah, just for tremendous. that for that type of movie, that is great. Like it's made its money back, I imagine. Yeah, it's um it's a real like sleeper success and you love to see it, folks. Yeah. But yeah, of course, we're doing our top 10 movies of 2023 today. Uh, we should just preface this immediately by saying we are not paid movie critics. No. And on that note, we have not seen everything that came out in 2023. Um, yeah. You know, so if your favorite movie is not on our list, it might not be because we didn't like it. It might be because we <laughs> straight up missed it. Yeah. And it is just where we stand today on January 27th, 2024, as of this recording, what we could fit in. Busy times in our lives, folks. We can't see as much as we would like to see everything. We can't see everything. But I have, I do have to say, too, it's like in the lead up here in the last two weeks, I could have seen more. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Like Billy Wilder's Avanti needs to be watched instead. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you like uh, I had a choice tonight. It's like uh, I could see like one more new movie or I could watch Francis Hodd videos. And I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see Francis Hodd videos. Had, was... had you seen that before? Uh, I'd seen like half of it on my computer, like when it first came out, like in 2012 or whatever. So I'd never had like the full like real experience. And yeah, man, what a it's banger. It's a lovely film. Well, I'm watching it with. Watching it with like a, a packed audience that was just like because it was sold out, mm-hmm. you know. Pr- and part of it might be because of like Gerwig fever, because of Barbie. But I think like I didn't realize like how much of a following that film had. And so to it's, see that, I think to a certain generation, a certain especially like a certain generation of young women, yeah, it's a very meaningful movie. Oh, uh, for sure, rightfully so. It's it capture it really captures a moment. Yes, like it has aged well, I think. Like it did, has still yeah. does a good job of capturing that moment. It's interesting, like uh, you know, as we get further and further away from the early uh 2010s, like the things that like kind of like set that uh period uh, uh from the current era. And it's interesting just seeing like oh, like the era of smartphone they're using is so much chunkier than ours. Like they have chunkier and kind of the capabilities of it too. It's like, Mm. that's still the era of like, I don't know if I have good reception. I've got to go outside to take, you know, and that, and nowadays it's like, it's very rare. You get cut off. (laughs) That is in that regard. It's, it's occasional, but it's, Certainly not like a movie trope that if you watch a bunch of movies in that era, they have to like find reception <laughs> and that kind of thing for their phone. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you're right, and I think that that's um, it's a good theme too. If like how silly lists are, because I'm sure Francis saw made a handful of lists when it came out. Yeah, oh, years ago, but we don't know. Ten years later, what's gonna like live on? Oh, for sure. Make an impact. So those of you who are upset about like Academy Award nominations, 
that kind of thing, don't worry about it. Yeah, we 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 broached this subject a we little have, bit. We've talked uh, about this before. Yeah, like it's like yeah, because yeah. like even like yeah, we talked about last week with Social Network. Like, yeah, that movie lived on like, in King's speech. Nah, no one's listening to that speech. And it and it's yeah, it's kind of amazing how these kind of waves work. And so we don't know. Mm-hmm. We're and so on that note too, this this list is arbitrary, incomplete. Yeah, and we should also note this. Is, the keyword here is not best; it's favorite. Yes, very we want to make favorite. that very clear here too. Yeah, we're we will never do an episode of the worst movies of the year list. No, Ever. no, no, no. Stupid yeah. and mean, mean. Yes, yeah, it's just mean. It's, it's just like, mean. and it's just like it's just mean and like I don't know. It's just it's very um, it's just very obnoxious. Like it's it reminds me of the Razzies. They're just done. and like look, there's like movies I don't like, but I'm not gonna like freaking I don't know black. Like what does that gain? What do I gain from that? What does anyone gain from that? Nothing. It's so much better to like and so much more fun to be really enthusiastic and praise something in hopes that someone out there. Or yeah. even a buddy who you're talking to across a like a kitchen table mm-hmm. goes home and watches it and is moved as well. Yeah. You know, that's what you want more so than like I, I, I was just talking about this with Jen the other day. The hate watch is one of the more bizarre things to me in the entire I don't Life yeah. is very, very short. If a that's... TV show is not working for you, you do not need to see it through. Yeah. That is like a thing where like I don't like um like i'm getting better not always but like especially because it's like yeah i have so much time in my life uh i we know we both lead very busy lives and it's like i'm at a point almost where unless i'm in like a a movie theater like if, if if i'm just watching a movie on my uh you know on TV or whatever on my thing. Like, yeah, if I have the option just to like stop and do something else, I don't know. Like it doesn't have to be like, well, I, I, I still might watch it, but like, I made it through 30 minutes of the first episode of the curse, which is something I'm really actually genuinely was excited to watch. But then uh, uh, a gloomy feeling of, do I really want to do 10 hours of this came over me? And I was like, I don't. Not right now, at least. Maybe someday. And that, that, that was just, and it's not even that it's bad. It's just like, life again, life is short. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so with you there, because it is like this thing where, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love, like, that flavor sometimes. But and I in college, oh, you know, 20-year-old Patrick, if the curse is on, I'm watching that, you know, in one day or whatever. And but, like, you get, you make a good point, though, too. It's like your stage of life. Too. I've yeah. got this little kid running around. We're trying to work our jobs, get our house in order, make a film. You don't need the curse in the background of that. That's not yeah. good background noise. I want to hang out with Jack Lemon in the 60s for two <laughs> yeah. hours and go to bed. You, <laughs> like, want to watch, you want to watch Irma LaDuce or something? I know, I like, do. Exactly. Like, I legitimately do. Genuinely fun. That movie rules. Yeah, and... it's, on, it's on the list for like this month to watch. Oh, yeah. There's some great, there's some like great Jack Lemon. Doing he's, weird bits that are like, oh, this is where Jim Carrey got every one of his shticks from. <laughs> he's he's really wonderful. We're gonna talk. We'll we'll talk about him someday. On the oh show yeah, in a he's little a, more detail. We're lemonheads. Um, absolutely. Um, anyway, so last thing, as per usual, when we do one of these countdown lists, if say Patrick 
has a picture higher on his list than I do. Mm. And I say, number 10, so-and-so, Patrick can yell higher. And we will just wait to discuss together that oh, yeah. movie at the, at its highest rank. Yeah, we got to do it at the our, night. The, yeah. On our lists. And, you know, last couple – I'm uh, curious to see here, Patrick, what kind of crossover we have. Because last couple of years – uh, obviously, a film like The Card Counter is going to make both of our lists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, <laughs> but, you know, I think our crossover is like occasional, but it hasn't yeah. been like too heavy duty. So I'm curious to see. I don't know. We've we keep our lists on private mm-hmm. on Letterboxd as the year goes on. So we don't really allude to where things are at. I think you longtime listeners of the show can maybe guess was sitting toward the top of my list, but oh, you know, yeah, we'll get there when we get there. But uh, I think I think we're like I feel like here's my theory. I think we're gonna be closer this year than any other year. Just because, good, or maybe yeah, I could be wrong. Good, predi- good prediction. I have a feeling when I start off with number ten here, I could I might hear the word higher. Number ten for me. I'll start yes. things off. Alexander Payne's The Holdovers. Oh wow, higher. Okay. Wow. We'll talk, we'll talk about it at some point. Um, That's fine, though. That's fine. That's wow. Wow. So <laughs> onward is... to your number 10. <laughs> I, like I, it. I, I was that like, is... we'll tear the band-aid because I have a feeling it's higher for Patrick. Yeah, that's no, that's fine. That's shocking. I should preface though. this by saying I think all 10 of these movies are like five star jams. Wow, that's that's good. Yeah, they're all bangers. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. not against. Yeah, uh, number ten. Uh, number ten. Uh, put Blackberry. Okay, then not yeah. on my list. We can go ahead. Yeah, you know, I'll give the little letterbox summary to mismatched entrepreneurs, egghead invent <laughs> innovator Mike Lazaridis, and cutthroat businessman Jim B- uh, Balsilli. Yeah, it's Basley, folks. Uh, joined forces. Balsilli is a very funny name, though. You should use it that is. sometime on the improv stage. Oh, I'm Mr. Ball Silly. I cannot wait to just <laughs> yeah. go on stage and say that over and over again. Yeah. Uh, join, I am Mr. Ball Silly. Um, join forces in an endeavor that will become a worldwide hit in little more than a decade. The story of the meteoric rise and catastrophic demise of the world's first smartphone. Um, really fun time. I really love the work of Matt Johnston. Uh, he made this movie called um, The Dirties way back in 2011. I think like the person who discovered the dirties was Kevin Smith. I remember Kevin Smith oh. being like, this movie's like a great movie back when, uh, uh, I was never like a huge Kevin Smith guy, but I would occasionally listen to like his podcasts back when he was like one of the seven people podcasting. It was like him you, and like, you, you missed him in the nineties when he was as big as, um, like Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, like when he, he was... was like he was like in that named in like the great filmmakers of the early nineties. So <laughs> the great filmmakers. You know, things that... happened. Different era. Yeah. He was Different yeah, era. he was yeah. Yeah, he was like uh our, the the nineties answer to Preston Sturges. He... Uh You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's good. I like Clerks is a great movie. I like I don't I have no no shade towards Kevin Smith. And he seems really nice. I'd like to hang out with him. Uh but uh, although always really funny when he posts pictures of himself crying, that's <laughs> a lot of pictures of himself crying after movies. Uh, but uh, more people should do that. That's fun. Um, but um, his his, gr- uh, his hockey shirt giant jorts look is um iconic. 
I, I mean, it's a choice, but he like, if you're going to go that big, you have to like be consistent. And he has yeah. been consistent with it. So anyway, oh. Blackberry. <laughs> oh yeah no it's uh but it's uh it's just a very fun uh you know it's not like one of the it's not like a it's not reinventing the wheel it's basically it's very much in the vein of social network and uh air and all these movies released but i think i liked it a little more than air just because i feel like it's one of the few movies released this year of the social network vein that kind of like adheres to the social network's uh just stricture in the sense of like the uh, jim but uh, Jim and uh, Glenn Howerton's character and Jay Baruchel, Mike Lazaridis, they are portrayed as flawed individuals and they kind of meet their and uh, they, they meet a demise. And it's interesting just seeing the rise and fall of something. I feel like very few of these type of films actually show like like the actual progression towards the bitter, brutal end. Like we don't even. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's just yeah, it's just, it's a great time. I think it has a great Jay Baruchel. Great Jay Baruchel performance. Glenn Howerton crushes it. I think it's like, I just, yeah, I really like, um, he doesn't like, you know, kind of change his persona too much, but like he's able to like kind of hone the skills he has and make them work effectively in that film. Yeah. Love it. Blackberry. I haven't, fun time I in haven't the movies. seen it yet. I definitely, you've swayed me to want to really seek it out. The one it's, thing that was definitely like a, a pillar of interest for me was, Glenn Howerton's nominated for Best Supporting Actor at the Independent Spirit Awards. I'm a huge, as I think we've made it clear over the last 200 episodes or something, huge Glenn Howerton fan. I think so good. His performance as Dennis on Sunny in Philadelphia is one of the great evil freak, freak show evil yeah. performances in, in television history. He's like, like, one secretly, of the greats, like monstrous characters, and. I think he's brilliant at it. He's, you know, he's Juilliard trained. Really? Yeah. I mean, so someday, and probably after someone saw this movie, someday someone is going to put him in something. Like a big, oh. bigger, a bigger name director is going to put him in something someday. And he's going to, like, I think he's going to get that break. Like, not that he hasn't had a break. I mean, the guy's living in Brentwood in a huge estate because of Sunny in Philadelphia money. <laughs> but, oh, you know, for sure. He's, he's fine. But, I mean, in terms of, like, being considered, a like, a major serious actor, I think that's still on the table for him. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. And he, and he shows it in this movie. Like, he's so uh, – he gives such a, an interesting – what could have been, like, a really one-note character. He kind of yeah. gives a level of, like – he provides, like, a level of um, insecurity and – like there's like rage, but there's uh there's layers under that rage. There's insecurity. There's a chip on his shoulder. He's trying to like you know, he's always trying to strive above like his uh, station in life. Uh, Absolutely. yeah, no, yeah. No, he's, I like it. He's a great actor. And I, yeah. I got to see this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got me. A, yeah, banger. Ten out of ten. Uh, watch watch Blackberry. What's your what's your uh, number uh, ten? Sue? Number nine, actually. Oh, number nine. Number ten. Ooh. Number ten was the holdovers. Number nine. Oh God, yeah. Oof. Oof. We return to um, a director of the show and those I'm a fan of, Christian Petzold's film A Fire. Ooh, is my number nine film. Haven't um, had to see that one yet. I want to see it so bad. Storyline: A seaside vacation takes an unexpected turn when Leon and Felix show up at Felix's family's holiday home, discover Nadja, a mysterious woman already there. As an ever encroaching forest fire threatens their well-being, relationships are tested and romances are kindled. A fire. Is Christian Petzl's funniest movie. 
but it's mm. also maybe his most devastating that's in, in its final 15 minute kind of <laughs> turn to what's actually been going on this entire movie um it starts off though as kind of a really funny really satirical eric romarian kind of comedy of manners about this guy leon who's played by an actor named thomas schubert is a writer who's working on his second book he may or may not be a good writer but he certainly is a insecure pretentious writer (laughs) he's kind of this schlubby guy he is a shirt at the beach kind of guy Uh, that's a type type. i'm that type i get it He'll wear a blazer to the beach, too, which is very oh. impressive. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that, that's a whole other type. That's another level. His friends are free-spirited, actually. And actually, because they're so free-spirited, they can appreciate art and be kind of creative and artists without kind of the airs that he's trying to put on of being great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the young woman, Nadja, who they meet up with is Christian Pett's old favorite, Paula Beer from uh, Undina, which we covered, as mm-hmm. well as... Uh, not Undina. Um, we covered uh, Transit. But she's in both those. Um, And so Petzl described this movie, what if this was our last summer? Because the forest fire is kind of an analogy for global warming, too. Mm -hmm. Because he said he was talking to his kids who are in their like early 20s. And basically they were like, we don't have the hopes for summer that you did, Dad. Summer doesn't like hold this kind of free spirited because of the way the world is. So he was like, oh, and then he also discussed how in Germany, in the pre-Nazi World War II era, there was a much more free-spirited, even goes past him. It goes back, and he was discussing Billy Wilder's movie, People on Sunday. Mm. This documented in the 30s of what summer was like. And how basically Germany doesn't have summer movies because there's been this dark cloud over it and so all of this kind of but he also he also mentioned too he didn't realize how funny the script was until the cast got together for a script reading because he realized he kind of was the lead guy right he was like oh this is just i'm just writing this This is me me. this is me (laughs) when i made and he made a movie his second movie was called um cooper libra and Mm -hmm. there's this big joke i'll spoil the joke it's in the trailer um Paula Beer asks Thomas Schubert, oh, what's the name of your book that you've been working so hard on you're talking about so pretentiously? He goes, oh, it's called Club Sandwich. <laughs> and, he, and she goes, Club Sandwich? <laughs> like, you're like, what? Like, uh, that's so it's good. like, and you can tell it's like, oh, this book's going to suck. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a rough, that's a rough title. Little, oh, oh, we should know too, real quickly. Um, I was going to do this. Holdovers, which we'll talk about in a bit, is currently on Peacock and can be rented. Blackberry, I know, can be rented via VOD. I think it might be on a straight. I think it might be on AMC Plus now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fire can be rented, and it's on the Criterion Channel. I was going to give some tips on where people could find these Ooh, movies if they wanted smart. to watch them. And it's going to be on Blu-ray soon. Mm-hmm. But it's all of the things that we've talked about in our Pets Old episode. Plus, it's funny. Yeah, and and I love boy, the idea that's of potent. Yeah, I love the idea of seeing Christian Petzold in a, a humorous context. Yeah, but I it's really it's got yeah. his it's got his formalism. It's got his kind of the shadow of both Ooh. the future and the past all over it. Mm-hmm. Mysterious qualities 
withholding, like all of the stuff that we've liked and loved from his previous films, plus this very, very like biting comic comedic edge to it. And an ending that is a freaking punch in the gut <laughs> that makes you rethink everything you just watched. <laughs> <laughs> so uh it's really really good i hope you know he's talked about how he kind of might be doing a seasons Mm -hmm. um series of movies here i hope he follows that i don't know what that means you know like like fall like a like eric romare did like all right i encourage encourage it let's see it maybe he brings he brings friends back into the mix Friends or Galaxy is a very busy man at these days. But yes, yeah, well. that's true. I'm surprised he hasn't been like uh, brought up. I'm surprised he's not starring in like the next Christopher Nolan film, for example. It's something like that is coming for him. Oh, yeah. Without question, something like that is coming. So, I mean, you know, we, hey, Academy, Academy, head of the game last July when we were talking him up in a big way. <laughs> so. Yeah. We're Petzold heads and we're Rogowski yeah, heads. Absolutely. We love all, we love this team. We can't wait for Christian Petzold's next movie, but a fire might very well be my favorite Christian Petzold movie. Wow. If I want to get into hyperbole there. So I got to see. Yeah, I really need to see this movie. If you were if you listened to our episode last July, you caught up with some of his older movies. Definitely check this one out. Number nine, a fire. What's your number nine? Uh, number nine, you know, we don't have to talk about it too much because it's a movie we've talked about in the past, I think, on this show. And it's a banger. It's a fun time. This and Blackberry probably wouldn't have been on my list, if I'm being honest, had I had opportunities to watch more movies. I don't want to, like, denigrate this movie. It's a great movie. I just, uh, but, uh, you know, I feel like this is, like, a, a little more mainstream than usual our usual fare. Uh, but I'll put number nine. It's uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part oh. 1. Hell it's yeah, just, dude. Great. It, That's Yeah. It rules. It's a great time. Yeah. Uh, we all share the same fate. That's the tagline. I love that's the tagline. I didn't realize that was the tagline until I read it just now. We all share the same fate. <laughs> that's a crazy tagline. That feels deeply insane. Uh, and then I'm not even going to read this full like. Plot. I think like, people, just, people, people know what they're yeah. getting into with Mission Impossible. Exactly. <laughs> old, old Ethan's back on back with his crazy hijinks. He's trying to get this damn entity. Oh, the entity. I'm not going to spoil what the entity is if you haven't seen it, but oh, it's a treat. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, it's just like more classic Tom Cruise spoofs and gifts. A lot of great sequences in this movie. Love the the uh, driving through Italy sequence. Uh, yeah. Was, oh, I my God. I'll have fun. Yeah. I still need to watch the second, the last hour and a half of it. But no, it just hit Paramount Plus, which, of Good. course, we've mentioned I am a subscriber to. So, yes. I, okay. Absolutely plan on it because I love the series like you do. I love the first hour that I watched. I'm so it happy gets, it's on your list because that movie deserves shout out. It's really thank you. Good. Uh, that's a, it's a great it's a great movie. And like and I love all the it's so weird. The the fact that like there's just this, like this group of three friends. It's Tom Cruise, Ving Rhames and Simon Pegg. They're such disparate people. And the fact that they have this weird rapport together is incredible. We're like uh, Lucius Ving Rhames' character is almost like like the doting father figure to like Ethan Hunt and like he's always just like telling Ethan you have to go this direction down this hall Ethan make sure to put the, the ramen in the microwave before you eat it <laughs> no his character is Ethan come on and Simon Pegg says Ethan oh no <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ethan help me <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> also, Lucius, uh, incredible hats. I love his hat game. He's always wearing a weird hat. I love that. Uh, also, the but the um, and you have a lot to look forward to too, because I feel like they um, I didn't see the train sequence, and I've heard um, the train sequence is awesome. It's a banger. It's so good. Well, and I like all the new additions to the cast. Like, I really like uh, like Shea Wiggum is great. Like, it, what right. this movie does incredibly well, uh, which I think the series has done always done well, is that it incorporates new uh, characters without like having it feel like um, shoehorned in or overwhelming. Like, there's the like, only these... time we talked about where it was a bit of a misstep was the Jeremy Renner thing. Yeah, well, but no, other than that, that, everybody's awesome. You're right. Everyone, yeah, everyone rules. But like, even like, like we Brent should make it clear, been, it's not that's not Jeremy Renner's fault. No, it's it's uh, I think it's more Marvel's fault than anything. And then like, yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, honestly, hey, Ed, as much as his character is kind of weird, man, wouldn't you fucking hoot and holler if suddenly Brant was like in the oh, if he if he shows up in the next one, oh yeah, yeah you're you're one thousand percent right. Hundred percent. Like I'd be fist pump. Like, and if he does something cool, like a spin kicker, like I mean, like the return he, of Brent. He enters like Wesley Snipes in um, Boiling Point. <laughs> like drop kicks that door. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, that would be so good. It well, also dressed. like the real life story, like of Jeremy Renner, like being annihilated by a twelve thousand pound tractor. If Jeremy yeah. Renner's like doing drop kicks, man, a year and a half later. Big thumbs up, man. That's stay in Hey Hollywood. It's a money-making moment right there. That, Keep, that in your, Keep that in your pocket. Very, very good choice in the number nine spot, Patrick. Hell yeah. I like yeah, it because yeah. not enough love. And um, yeah, these things should be like this. It's like we, we talked about. This is favorite. Like, did you have a good time? Were you emotionally moved? Like yeah, that kind I, of thing is I have, um, I had what like really three, matters here. Yeah, I had two friends that we watched all the Mission Impossibles together before had like big old popcorns and whatnot and then we went and saw this movie after watching like every mission impossible it was a although we had to do it over the because we're like you know people with that live lives we had to like watch all the mission impossibles over the course of three weeks just every yeah. friday we would like get together and watch and so like but that was great because it just built the hype and then it well, lived get, up to get, the hype they get so much bigger yeah they get so much crazier despite the fact i think the first one still is it's still the best one. I you're a De, you're but, a De Palma impossible head. Interesting. I like that. But then I, I, I jump straight to right. Macquarie. I actually think the Macquarie ones are the best after that. Oh, interesting. So you're not like a Brad Bird. Well, you like Brad Bird, obviously the Brad Bird one. Uh, well, I like but, uh, I like every single one of them. I think two and three or oh yeah, two is the, definitely two the, the, those are the weakest ones. Yeah, but I like all of them. Oh, for sure. Like, I feel unequivocally like, like all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Even like as weak as two is, there's still just because number one, it's a John Woo movie. And then like there's still some fun artifacts that yeah. the, like it's fun seeing that that era of Tom Cruise with like the longish hair. And like he's still he, like he's still like that is the one where he he truly thinks he's the coolest guy in the world. In yeah. That one. And it's like the most it's the most arrogant of the Mission Impossible movies. Because like, yeah. he lets himself fall on his face from that point on in other mm -hmm. movies. Like, Ethan makes mistakes. Yeah. In part two, Ethan makes no mistakes. Perfect guy. Perfect dude. Yeah. <laughs> in, like, in, like, the rest of them, the cool thing about the character is that it's, like, it's not so much that he's good, it's that he's so crazy he will just do it and see what <laughs> happens. Like... <laughs> and, 
that's so much isn't that so much more fun than yeah. being actually good at something like yeah. it's just like no this guy's just got, got has guts yes yeah. it is it, yeah he's a lunatic it, yeah he's just uh, a true lunatic and the, and they're all that's like where we get at ethan don't or ethan oh no <laughs> ethan uh even like the highly competent rebecca ferguson characters like she's like i gotta be impressed this guy's so crazy like, yeah i mean he, he has like the bite to match the bark like he he gets, yeah. he gets away with it every time somehow You're an absolute hoot uh, so in my number eight spot, which is also on AMC Plus, it's a movie very much like Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Of course, I'm talking about Christian Munjo's RMN. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, but I. So here's the um, here's the story. A few days before Christmas, having quit his job in Germany, Matthias returns to his Transylvanian village. Well, that's a good start. He Love wishes it. to involve himself more in the education of his son, Rudy, left for too long in the care of his mother, Anna, and to rid him of the unresolved fears that have gripped him. He's also to see, eager to see his ex-lover, Celia, and preoccupied about his old father, Otto. When a few new workers are hired at the small factory that Celia manages, the peace of the community is disturbed. Underlying fear, underlying fears grip the adults, and frustrations, conflicts, and passions erupt through the thin sliver of apparent understanding and calm. So basically, that's a very like um, clean description of this movie. Um, <laughs> Matthias is a brute and he's introduced quitting his job in Germany by headbutting his boss through a window. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, he's like this he's a thug basically. Yeah. And he returns to his town and his son Rudy is like afraid of something he found in the woods. Mm-hmm. Matthias though kind of treats that as Rudy's kind of not masculine enough, not a man yet. Meanwhile, Matthias's ex-girlfriend, who's trying to be to keep this bakery up and running, imports these workers from Sri Lanka. And what this movie's actually about is fears of immigration and fears of the other in this town that really holds this whole like, oh, I've got no problem with them. I just don't want them touching my food. Yeah, gotcha. you know Ooh, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, like just like yeah, like passive, like polite on the outside, on the inside, it's festering. And Matthias, who's actually doesn't want to show it, kind of loves his this woman who who runs the bakery. He can't say it, but he want he want and, but he's also kind of the man's man of the mm-hmm. town. Like he's one of the strong guys, and the other strong guys are the most, of course, anti. The workers. So he is like caught in this web and it grows and builds. And Muncho, if you've ever seen any of his other films in the same way, slowly but surely builds this incredible level of tension. And I had to pause the movie a couple of times because I was like, oh, this is getting like, this is like, this is intense, man. Yeah, it's getting to be too much. And what it all culminates in is this town hall sequence to discuss the problem and what to do. He sets up one camera and it goes 20 minutes and the entire frame fills everyone in the town. Matthias and Celia are in the front row, but the way he's organized his mise-en-scene, um, <laughs> you see everybody you need to see. Right. And they will stand up and argue 
it's one of the most incredible sequences I've ever seen. Man. Of all of it comes down to this, and that is before any suicides or guns come out, which do happen. We'll tell oh, you what. No. Leading to ultimately one of the most surreal and mystifying final shots Mm-mm. of the year. This is a major league movie. It's been undersold. It's underplayed. And I think it's hard. It's difficult. It's kind of, it's very dark and cold uh, like his other movies tend to be. But this is one of the great directors working in movies today. Mm -hmm. This is a must. This is another. And I almost think it's like he's being taken for granted (laughs) (laughs) because his movies are so good that you're just, you know, I talked about one of his others on, um, our discoveries beyond the hills. Um, mm-hmm. His movies are so good. He's so consistent, but they are so like high arch art house, difficult, European, serious, serious. Yeah, well, you're talking about how Christian Petzl found a little bit of humor in himself. Munjo is not. Mm-mm. He's high minded. This is highbrow stuff. That's okay, though. That's good. Much like, I like that we're doing this back-to-back from Mission Impossible because it's like <laughs> that's the joys yeah. of the the why. If you have a broad palette, a cinema taste, you could ha- you can love both these kind of movies. And this is a it's a hard movie. Don't get me wrong. Not maybe not a good time. In the traditional sense. Yeah. But I will tell you, if you're adventurous and you're up for it, the rewards are right there. You'll, I mean, walk, you you'll had, stand up and be like, oh, my. Like You, you, know, it's you like, had me at like 20 minute town hall sequence like that. I'm like, that sounds he, incredible. He talked about um, his big influence is actually Robert Altman on that ah. sequence because how Altman would mic everybody up, have everybody talking over each other. But he was somehow able to. You were able to kind of figure out what was going on still. Mm-hmm. A, yeah, so he does it kind of like that, but it's like the second it starts, the second you realize he's not going to cut, you're like, oh, we're going. This is like, this is going to be, this is going to be so cool. So gutsy and the, the pure cinema of it, despite the fact there's no movement, but it's like the bol- the boldness of choice. Mm-hmm. within it and it's just it becomes more and more powerful as it grows and grows and grows you know and i'm like a big fan of like kind of like jam bands yeah and endurance runs like i like the test of like oh we're in it like for an yeah, extended you, period of you, time you probably know who king gizzard and the lizard wizard is oh sure they put out yeah. too many albums but yeah. you know, <laughs> says the guy that by voices fan but it's it's really really worth it i think this movie has been underrepresented in a lot of these end of the year kind of lists Mm -hmm. this guy's still you know a top top of the line international art house filmmaker so that's awesome i recommend it highly that that's like the point of like these lists too to a certain degree i believe is like kind of like shining light on it's fun to like you know do the mission impossibles and stuff like that as well don't get me wrong and i put it hey i put it on my list but i think like 
I love introducing new filmmakers to people, and I love uh, shining a light on, you know, not a lot of people watch Romanian cinema in general. Like, I feel like that's like an under, like, there's a couple of, like, you know, Munglu, uh, Munju, and uh, mm. who's the guy who did um, who did a police adjective, comma adjective? Um, um, porn, uh, name starts with a P. I, I apologize yeah. for oh no it's okay we're yeah a lot of these uh i I will say this uh heads up there will be a name on one of my lists where i will have to go on google and listen to a robot say it before i say it so i don't (laughs) screw it up Um, uh, yeah i mean i think we i kind of talked a little bit about on the discovery episode but if this one is your entryway or beyond the hills was there is a real like at the same level of the south korean cinema the last 20 years there is a real I mean, there are dozens of top-notch Romanian films in the last 20 years that it's a wealth of oh, yeah. maybe not as fun as the South Korean movies, but yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> yeah, who cares? Uh, it's still fun. Yeah, it's still fun, though. Although, like, hey. Unfortunately, the... they're not making any movies like The Host in Romania. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're not doing the good, the bad, and the weird. Yeah, or, you know, <laughs> Save the Green Planet isn't coming out of Romania. Like, but, you know, you still have, they're still very, very, like, nourishing yeah. art house movies. So what do you got? Uh, where are we at? Number, uh, this, that was number eight. So you're at eight. Number eight. Yeah, and where can you find? Uh, uh, I believe RMN is on AMC Plus, but you can also just rent it off of like Amazon or something like that. Gotcha, and yeah, and we just said yeah, uh, Mission Impossible Paramount Plus. Uh, yeah. So my number number seven, As of like two days ago. Ooh, ooh, baby. Uh, number uh, my number seven on the subject of South Korean film. Uh, my number seven is uh, something that, as of now, you really can't find anywhere, unfortunately, because uh, I had the luxury of getting to see this at a uh, AFI Fest, which was an awesome... What a great... That was an awesome experience, by the way, getting to see all those fun movies. Uh, we weren't it's, always in this... Yeah. It's really... It's a real treat. Yeah, I it's agree. Liter- literally one of the best... I guess, like, a, it's, like, one of the nice things about living in L.A. is you get to see all the movies. That's truly, like, the like not a lot of places. Yeah. It's, like, here in New York and London, basically. Um, maybe Toronto. I don't know. Uh, but uh, my number seven is uh, Kim Ji-Woon's Cobweb. Very a real, cool. Yeah, a super fun banger. This is a, this is a rollicking time of the movies. I remember um, watching this movie, and I think I just watched uh, maybe, like, Bike Riders and... I can't remember if I've watched. Uh, oh, I think we um, Evil Does Not Exist. I think yeah. we watched that before. And uh, we should asterisk great... that that Evil Does Not Exist because it has not had an American release date. Ooh. Could be on 2024's list if we felt like mm, it. Could so, be. Anyway, we'll see. Cobweb. Yeah, but, uh, you know, like uh, those movies were gr- uh, great films in their own right, but they're very somber and. Uh, you know, I feel like there's a like um a lot of like you know moody, thought provoking films that uh, hit a certain tenor, and so when I saw Cobweb, it felt like a fresh of uh, a breath of fresh air because it was so filled with life, like it was just so vivacious and like fast paced, and like things were constantly happening. It almost felt like um, in some ways, it sort of reminded me of uh, the uh, Interatu film Birdman a little bit where like it just feels like things are always in motion and things are always occurring and you're always kind of on the edge of your seat a bit. Uh, the 
storyline, the little the little blurb. Here we go. In the 1970s, director Kim is obsessed by the desire to reshoot the ending of his completed film Cobweb, but chaos and turmoil grip the set with interference from censorship authorities and the complaints <laughs> of actors and producers who can't understand the rewritten ending. Will Kim be able to find a way through this chaos to fulfill his artistic ambitions and complete his masterpiece? Uh... Maybe you'll find out if you watch this damn movie. Uh, him <laughs> is portrayed by Song Kang Ho, and he's so he's like Absolute one of the best actors King. living. Yeah, Absolute he's King. he's yeah. just genuinely he's so because I've seen him, you know, be like you know, kind of quiet and timid, but I've also seen him be a wild man in this movie. He's very much in the wild man zone. He's like this, like, I'm this artist who like yearns to be unfettered and will do like whatever it takes to um create this like weird like 70s. Uh, Korean horror film that uh, I would there's a part of me that actually makes me want to like go like this is the type of movie that makes you like want to like go back and watch Korean films from that era just so you can understand that the context that this film is uh, working in because it's um, you know it's not like what he's working necessarily is like this great work of beautiful art or whatever it very much feels like a 70s horror film or a 70s korean horror film um if that's what the movie is intending at least um but uh it's cool to see someone art about people passionate about art and it uh it's cool to see someone just like really strive to achieve their dream in spite of like all these um insane machinations that are um you know kind of like attempting to thwart him and it's uh, the uh, ways that they like have to balance plates and like keep the censorship at bay, and uh, you see at the edge of your seat. I don't know. I loved it. There's all these like really fun like side characters. There's like a uh, an actor who thinks he's like he's an actor who plays a lot of detectives on TV, and so he thinks he's like kind of a detective because he's of that. Columbo or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's great, and he's like constantly like you know trying to like solve like. Uh, mysteries that aren't even there. It's really fun. I don't know. It's just a good, yeah. It's a great time of the movies. It's just enjoyable. Like I had a, I had a really pleasant experience watching that, and I think that's something that needs to be like. Um, I think it's so easy to denigrate, like, um, not denigrate, but it's so easy to take for granted, like just like a pleasant time at the movies, or just like a really like a fun romp. And you can make a fun romp that's I don't know thought provoking and. Um, Makes you think long and hard about art as well. In addition to like yeah. you know our more, not to say that like man, yeah, I got some somber boys on here. Don't worry, we got some real uh, cry boys on this list. But uh, yeah, this was a fun time. Go see Cobweb. Yeah, it looks like um, we're kind of it's. It may have got a very very limited U.S. release recently. Yeah, or actually, it looks like it comes out February 9th. Ooh, um, maybe. Looks like it's also playing at a theater in Buena Park, but I don't know. It'll probably be on VOD within the next couple months, though. Yeah. Um, also, don't confuse that there was a horror movie in the U.S. called Cobweb that came out last year as well. No, uh, that's. I don't think that's what Patrick is referring to. No, no, Kim, <laughs> no, the South Korean <laughs> yeah. comedy drama Cobweb. Yeah, not the not the yeah. horror movie, and yeah, definitely not, not movie. definitely not Dakota Johnson's Madam Web. No, no, no. Hasn't been released yeah. yet. Have you been driving around town and see the billboards and posters for that? Yeah, I've seen so many. Are those the laziest graphic it's design like... you've ever seen in your life? It's... This I is could a, make like, that. This is a $150 million movie, at least. Like, 
they genuinely have no faith in it. I think they've I like know. I think yeah, it's just like they're like, you know, whatever, who gives a shit. Like they know like, you know, like Morbius didn't do well. Like they they're know like, like here's some slop, decide if you want it or not. It's like yeah. We don't even know if it's slop or not, but you're treating it like slop with a bad poster like that. Yeah, it's, certainly. It's, it's rude to the movie. It it's is really like rude. A, yeah, it's like, like may, at least... I, I hope the movie's like Casablanca good. <laughs> that would be up. so sick if if our number ones of 2024 we both were like Madam Web. No, there's only there's only one choice. It's Madam Web. Um, yeah, that sounds great. I I want to see it. I I missed that was not when I chose when we did our AFI packs. And it sounds good. Yeah, it's a banger. It's fun. It's just really fun. It's a fun movie. So my so my number seven currently is available to rent via the normal streaming service. It's not on any of the channels yet. Um, I watched it this morning before we recorded. I'm a little concerned about recency bias. Like yeah. recently, as of like an hour and a half ago. No worries. Um, I've definitely watched uh, movies literally like, like I feel like last year there was one movie I watched like the night of and put on yeah. my list. So I I understand you. But this is not a movie that has missed out on. This is not. This is the for this movie's nominated for best picture at the Academy Awards. Yeah. So it's not exactly a slouch. I'm talking about Celine Song's film Past Lives. Ooh. Um. I was a little wary because I was like, oh, it's a A24 movie from like a playwright who's never made a movie before. Mm. I was wrong. Mm. This is a cinematic moving gem about time and missed opportunities, but also embracing present opportunities. It lived up to what everyone said. Basically, Um, it's lived up to the hype. Three magnificent performances at its heart. Incredibly, incredibly sharp writing. I hope she makes a movie every year. That's the kind of filmmaker I think she should be almost. It's like, like I a Hong Sang Su type figure. I want to know. She's got set like Hong or, you know, or even Steven Soderbergh to a way. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a, I want to know what they're thinking right now quality yeah. to them uh, it's not so much like a grand state like paul thomas anderson needing to disappear for four years to make some grand statement kind of filmmaker there there's a presence the present tense feeling to this film that it's like okay like what do you think about like a like a family reunion movie next year like they just kind of like oh like yeah, talk about, i mean she, she, the godfather like a... of the godfather of all this is eric romare mm-hmm. and it's kind of like that but that kind of i want to see her make like a five to ten million dollar movie every year i don't want to see please yeah please please we're doing the prayer hands folks craven the web hunter or whatever the hell that is part two you don't need to do it (laughs) i don't need to know uh, lady yeah. from Lady and the Tramps origin story. Do you, I don't do you, care. You're better than this. Do you, do you know who's directing Craven the Web Hunter? It's the dude, Fucking... the, my my Triple Frontier man. Um, what's J.C. Chandor. Chandor? Yeah, it's I guess. Crazy, Mr. Margin Call is directing the, that. All is all is. We thought all was lost when Robert <laughs> Redford got lost on his boat, but no, 
no. No, no. All that was not it. All is lost now. <laughs> yeah, because he's directing a movie about like a D tier Spider Man villain. Fucking D minus Marvel character that nobody's yeah, ever knows, heard of. Who knows yeah. or cares? Who knows or cares? No one. No one gives a makes, shit. It makes Madam Web look like the Incredible Hulk. Like, and I don't know who the hell Madam Web is. What the fuck is Madam Web? That's made up. I don't think Madam Web's real. I worked at a comic book store for two years when I was in high school. I don't know who these people are. No one knows. No. They're made up. It's made up. I think it's just a, it's like a, it's a a mass gaslighting. Well, what they're figuring (laughs) out, like, they have just figured out that perhaps Robert Downey Jr. was a very valuable person to have on the payroll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> they're kind of, they're they're starting to think. Oh, maybe we haven't put all our chips into like one basket. Maybe we shouldn't have you know bet all of our money Instead on of spreading it completely thin with like the C minus. Maybe we should just like back the truck up to Chris Hemsworth house. It's <laughs> like. Keep, just keep coming back, please. Yes, yeah, please, please, please be Thor. Please be Thor again. Please. Oh, my God. So yeah. I don't – this because this is so human, so real, so relatable. And the thing that, like, you brought up earlier about kind of – when you're talking about uh, Francis Hall and kind of that era. Ooh, yeah. This movie, because it's, like, around my age, but it's, like, we're at that age now. And I want to see Greta Gerwig make a movie like this about, like, looking back. Yeah. On, like – that time and this movie has a soundtrack from um daniel rawson and um oh i'm sorry i'm sorry to the other member of grizzly bear that i'm blanking on right now (laughs) um (laughs) but um you know for those of us who are like uh his name was christopher bear uh both members of the band grizzly bear and if you were like in your late 20s 10 years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. You were listening, at least in my, you know, Grizzly Bear was yeah. on at bars. You went to Grizzly Bear was on at your house. Grizzly Bear, you went at like background on dates at restaurants and that kind of thing. Yeah. And to, like, have defines, that, yeah. to have that sound in this movie about memory and like Ooh. missed opportunities and stuff like that. It's like very moving and very like even what I liked about this movie so much was the fact that it was very like culturally and personally specific to her mm-hmm. but because the themes were the themes are so universal you you don't have to be this specific person from this specific place to completely feel it and completely understand it and yeah it's it's a it's a and it's so confident too from first time filmmaker you're like oh doesn't feel wow. like first time movie at all I, I did look up somehow she got 12 million dollars for it but good for her yeah cool. well and i will yeah i will say like i love like whenever there's a director you just um that's discovered on this pod where it's like you see their work and it's like oh man i want to just see like the world through their lens i want to like see like their like takes on things or their interpretations of like you said of like family reunions or like you know a death in the family or you know whatever like sort of like big broad life strokes that uh we all have to experience you know, the um, filmmaker I would compare her to, who's got a few more reps under their belt, is a little bit flashier, but I, but at the same time, I think, like, half his real human element is um, Joachim Trier, the director oh. of Worst Person in the World, among others. Um, but still, like, that that great, like, I, I want to, I, I, I wish he did, but, I, you know, you want to hear from him once a year. Yeah. 
somebody, some person's dealing with something in, you know, Oslo. They're the same vein. I want to see, you know, her kind of some person dealing with something in either Korea or New York or whatever. Uh, but it's just, yeah. And I think it's like some people, I was kind of thinking about like, you know, aiming for the fences, Grand Slam, giant movie. But having a career of 30 like doubles and triples mm -hmm. is pretty great too, you know, but. I hope also maybe she does make a three hour movie about a three hour historic of like good on her. Just yeah, don't, I like this. Just don't make Craven the Web Man. Yeah, don't make Mr. Two. Web Web don't strikes make... again. Uncle Web. Daddy Man. Daddy, da Daddy, Daddy da Web. Da Daddy, the Daddy Man. <laughs> Daddy, <laughs> Web, Daddy Web Man. Daddy Web, Daddy Web Man. Craven the Daddy, Daddy Web Man. man. <laughs> yeah. Here, the Daddy. Who is the Daddy Man? <laughs> I don't know. Nobody yeah. knows. Nobody would have saw it. <laughs> he was bitten by a radioactive dad. Yeah. Aaron Taylor yeah. Johnson will play that guy too. Anyway, yeah, he, he has the power to be. What's your number seven? Uh, my number seven. Uh, it's a banger. It's a treat. Uh, these are all bangers. Oops, all bangers. Um, Oops, all bangers. Shoot. Oops, we all blew it. Yeah, we blew it. Sorry, only bangers. Too, uh, too many bangers. Too many bangers. Uh, it's Iris Sachs's latest film. Uh, this is this is Iris Sachs joint passages. Oh my God! It has friends. I gotta see it. I gotta see it. I haven't seen it yet. It's so good. You would love this, Don. It's a good. It's a Don movie. Uh, Franz oh, I can tell. I can tell. Ben, yo, you know why I know it's a Don movie? It has uh one of the ladies from freaking Blue is the warmest color in that bad boy. It has Adele Exarchopoulos. Yeah, good. Wow. <laughs> pretty pretty good pretty good pronunciation there patrick yeah i yeah. you know i, I was a uh, free pronounce pronouncing i was hoping i got that we'll see um he was in the wind but he made it i made it i was yeah i was in the yeah, I was collecting those uh collecting those uh sticks and i found all the sticks uh Caught himself in a pronunciation <laughs> twister <laughs> uh, too many letters um in contemporary Paris, German filmmaker Tomas embraces his sexuality through a torrid love affair with a young woman named Ag Agatha, an impulse that blurs the lines that define his relationship with his husband, Martin. When Martin begins an extramarital affair of his own, he successfully gains back his husband's attention while simultaneously unearthing Tomas's jealousy. Grappling with contradicting emotions, Tomas must either embrace the confines of his marriage or come to terms with the relationship having run its course. Uh, sounds, this sounds terrific and messy and crazy. I, I am totally on board. Oh, it's so, yeah, because friends, oh, he's such. I heard, he's, I heard it's a powerhouse. It's uh, incredible. You get why people want to be around him because he's a very passionate guy, but he's also just everything he any relationship he touches turns to fucking ash because he's too hot. He's too like passionate. He's too like he can't he can't turn himself off and he gets bored too easily. Oh, and it's just like you see him like, and he's and he, he, truly he's just impulsive. He'll just it feels like he just you know does he truly just does shit without thinking. And it's really nice seeing a movie where. You know, there are some very real world ramifications for those actions. It's seeing this guy's uh, life kind of slowly, slowly uh, burn out as a like, you know, like just slowly burn out as a treat. Like it's slowly. Well, it starts to slowly burn out. And then there are points where the grease fire catches and it's crazy.
Um, that sounds terrific. It, like, oh, it rules. Interesting is so much better than likable. Oh, yeah. Truly, yeah. One of the great interesting characters. He's like, he's always wearing these insane shirts. Like, a lot of them are like sheer. It, like, he lived like this, you know, like total, total. Um, is he kind of um, inspired by um, the German director Rainer Fassbinder? Yeah, definitely. He's yeah. like a little bit of that. Um, He's very, yeah, cause he's very like, uh, you know, he's very intense, so to speak, and he's like very uh, willing to, you know, abuse drugs and drink and like, yeah, he's going through the motions. Yeah, I had to, I have to shout out the uh, costume designer Kajia Zegai. Like, just like his look is incredible. And then Ben Win- Winshaw. What up, Kajia? <laughs> what up? What up, Kajia? And then also Ben Winshaw is just a great like. He's such a uh, normal taciturn man. Who is caught up in the uh, tornado that is uh, Franz Rogowski scared his yeah. husband, and it all just like yeah, watching him like slowly kind of realize, oh, this is like I, you know, I love him, and I'm at least like I'm very much attracted to him, but I can't like I can't live this way. Having him like go through that realization, watching him go through that realization is a wonderful experience. Uh, yeah, it's a banger. Yeah, you should watch passages. Everyone it was. Should. Um... I was staring down my uh, Spirit Awards screeners this morning. Mm. Sitting there. Oh, right you're going to look. He was sitting there right next to Past Lives and the other one, all of us strangers. I was like, look at the three of them. I was like, which one has the best shot of changing my mind this morning? <laughs> <laughs> I won't Past Lives. But the way you talk about it, I'm like, oh, Passage is going to change my yeah. mind as well. I think so. Yeah, because it's just like, man, it's so well, and it's such a it's so toxic because, you know, he starts this like it's so crazy. Like the movie begins with like they're, you know, it's like they're gay. And then immediately, like, he just decides to, like, you know, have this affair with a woman. Bronze is not as much after that. Yeah. And it's just like you're it's just like, yeah, Ben Winshaw's like, what the fuck? Like, why? what's happening? And it's such a crazy. We're, we're an established couple. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, an established, you know, living in domestic bliss, yeah. and and Franz Rogaski's answer is just like, "I'm growing bored. You're boring me, basically." And it's just, it's such so, a whirlwind. I mean, it's so awful, but at the same time, like, it's man, fascinating. You wanna, like, you want to see it? Yeah, as a viewer, I, you don't want to live it, but you want to see it. No, <laughs> like, it's like you want to follow. It's such a crazy choice. It is so such funny an funny int- that you're following that past lives with that one because past lives, you know, this woman she's married. And then her childhood crush shows up, and she's kind of faced with this choice: Do I upend Ooh. my life? Wow, symmetry. Yeah, good symmetry. Yeah, that, I want to. I, wanna, I, I really, really want to see that. Um, I know that's on movie right now. Oh yeah, if you're a movie su- movie subscriber. Oh, shout out to movie. One of the great. Oh, one of the great. Yeah, like the highbrow. Yeah. Even more high, if you if you felt the Criterion Channel wasn't highbrow enough for you. Yeah, uh, movie. Good pick, Patrick. I, I I'm dying to see that one myself. Um, my number six film, currently on the Criterion Channel, the aforementioned, and can be rented. We're talking about the Eight Mountains, directed Ooh. by. I'm sorry to both of these people speaking of pronunciation. <laughs> Felix tough, man. Felix Van Groganen and Charlotte Vandermeersch. Ooh, an, I, epic, an epic journey of friendship and self-discovery set in the breathtaking Italian Alps that follows the profound, complex relationship between Pietro 
from Turin and Bruno, who grew up in an isolated mountainside village over four decades. This Wow. is, um, get into hyperbole. This is one of the greatest films about male friendship that I've ever seen in my life. It is so profound and moving. I was crying at the end. Wow. It has some of those beautiful, majestic. I mean, it makes you want to move here and find this life. But at the same time, it's troubling. And it's about the growth between. And then we meet them as young boys and we end with them around 40. And I just, I, I just was so overwhelmed by it. And it's just so melancholy and beautiful. The two guys, Pietro and Bruno, I don't even know the actors' names because they were just Pietro and Bruno to me. I felt like I was just watching them. And the ending is like something <laughs> I kind of felt was inevitable, mm -hmm. but I also didn't want, which is always right a good feeling when you're watching a movie. It's like you kind of guess. Well, a lot of these movies kind of share that. Um, but it's just about... It's a love story. It's a plutonic love story. But kind nice of a... One that's not meant to last either. You know, like life can kind of go that way sometimes. And these guys go their separate ways. And how... When they meet, Bruno is this masculine, headstrong country kid... Pietro is kind of head in the clouds, needs to find something lost, kind of already. He's naturally, of course, going to end up being the writer of the two. You know Right. how these, you know how these things Yeah. work. Um, the artier one. But then they come together and they rebuild this cabin in the Alps and they continue to come back there every few years to meet up and see. We find out where their lives have gone. since then and it's just kind of that whole like men in nature Oh, yeah, kind just of building thing stuff. building stuff tank tops beards <laughs> you know yeah. and you know but it's so sensitive too it's not kind of Yeah. it's not macho by any No, means yeah. and it kind of is even questioning what it means to be kind of unwavering in your masculinity and your macho-ness and maybe to compromise the when society creeps in and you need to make choices, adult choices, do you need to compromise your the serene masculine world you've created? The the farm, the nature, the land, Right. the freedom you don't want maybe you're not built for society even. Yeah. Oh no. And So that's what. Yeah. It's. It's. So it's. Uh, it's like. Is it like kind of like a a person from a different era? Like kind of who would have made more sense? Like you know, fifty years earlier, sort of maybe, thing. yeah, Yeah. yeah, and Ooh. his Ooh. and who which of the two's head is actually in the clouds? You Oh. know, there's that too. I love that. And can can they save each other? Are they the only two people who can actually communicate with each other? Can their significant others actually even reach these two men? Oh man, yeah, that It's I'm 
Yeah. It's a, and it's like two and a half hours long, by the way. <laughs> so it's like weird. <laughs> it's, it's, a epic, real, it's a yeah. real epic movie. It is it's not as hard as um like R and M. But it's an art house it remains a European art house movie that you know yeah. presents challenges, but it's deeply moving and you know, it, it you know, it's sad, but it's also bit of a dude's rock picture too because it's about dudes building stuff and <laughs> high-fiving and making fires and hanging out and going <laughs> swimming and camping you know and all that kind of thing but it's also like very melancholy and um yeah i mean like i guess that's been a theme of most of the movies i've brought up is there is this like i i went with movies that move me yeah like the and like I feel like a lot of like winsome. There's a lot of wins. There's like a winsome nature to a lot of your choices. Like you know, yeah. like that. Like yeah, that like. Uh, I wouldn't even call it nostalgia. It's just like fond remembrance, maybe, or like, or maybe yeah. like, uh, or 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 um, the uh, idea of like you know, what if I made this choice? What if my life went this direction? Oh but boy, he, Patrick, don't don't psychoanalyze me too much. <laughs> oh no, no, hey. hey, hey. No worries. I mean, there is a lot of, yeah, even, even in my top two f- movies, even the big Hollywood ones that are still to come that we're going to, I mean, we're going to talk about the holdovers in a bit. Oh yeah. But I mean, holdovers certainly fits oh, yeah. that bill too. Um, For sure. I feel bad. It's a 10. It, it's, oh, it's fine. It was so good. It d- does not mean I don't think it's like a movie that's going to live in my heart. For the yeah. rest of my days, because it is. It's a movie I'm dying to watch again, but <laughs> I want to watch it more again than I want to watch The Eight Mountains again. But yeah, to me, hey. The Eight Mountains kind of holds, reach these heights. I feel you. But you may have picked up on a theme too. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really I can't recommend this movie more. If you're in the right place for it, the right, your heart's in the right spot, you're thinking about your burrows. This movie's good. like it's a dude. Ooh. It's a dude cry movie. Dude cry. A dude cry it. movie. I love a dude cry. Got, I love a good dude cry. We gotta make a letterbox list of all the like dudes crying over dudes cry movies. <laughs> dudes crying over dudes. Uh man, yeah. You we don't want to watch it. Look. Don't want to watch it with your dad because you don't. You and your dad don't want to cry in front of each other. But too you know, weird. No way. Yeah, too weird. No way. But no. you know, don't want to be that vulnerable, folks. <laughs> it's scary. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what do you got in the uh, number six slot? Ooh, number six. I have a feeling you are going to say higher when I say this. Uh, I have Martin Scorsese's Killer of the Flower Moon. Higher. Let's talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and I want to just uh, preface this too with the uh, even though it's like yeah, all five out of fives. This movie is incredible. Like like ten out of ten. Like this is all. It's we're literally. It's just like you know what was uh, striking my fancy in that moment. It's all. It's all fractions of a fraction at this point. So, yeah. We- glorious here in cinema all 10 of these movies from on all sides and this goes to 15 or so at least for me because i mean i could talk about master gardener i could talk about even Ooh. i'm not a big animation guy i saw Miyazaki's boy and the heron oh this is a masterful film as well didn't make Whoa. my top 10 but even i'm liking it, Miyazaki. i thought it, i saw it in the theater i liked it a lot yeah animation from don interesting animation in the cinema that i actually gave a five out of five 
So we'll go okay. to my number five, which I don't know if you like this one as much as I did. This could be our first kind of um, yeah, moment of contention. My number five is Todd Haynes, May December. Oh, uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, I I, I want to hear what you talk about it. Let's let's get into it. I love yeah, because it's like it. There's really good, hey. there's great stuff in it. There's great. It's incredible. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Easy to watch. Oh yeah, that's where, it's I, an that's easy. where I watched it. Oh yeah. Um, I thought it was astonishing. I thought it was the most one of the outside of perhaps it was the Flower Moon, the most complicated morally movie Ooh. of the year in all the right ways. I think Todd Haynes might be the greatest living director who no one mentions as being the greatest living director. Of his I, generation. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, because like, yeah, he doesn't get the love he deserves. He does not. This is a true master of cinema. And oh. there is a moment where I like hopped up off the couch. I Netflix watched yeah. it at home, did not see it in the cinema, unfortunately. They're preparing for the daughter's graduation. She's trying on dresses. Oh god. And Todd Haynes sets up this mirror shot. Where Julianne Moore is sitting on both sides of Natalie Portman and doesn't call attention to it, just shoots it that way. And you're like, my dude, yeah. this is exactly what a director does is to infiltrate your mind with the duality of what's going on, the shifting balance on who has empathy, who is the enemy, who is who even. Oh man! Identities of everyone involved. Oh, we should give a shout out to Sammy Birch who wrote the screenplay too, because oh yeah, this script plays with who you're empathizing with, who is your lead, who you think is quote unquote the good guy <laughs> more than, and it turns out by the end you realize what's actually been going on in this entire movie is that this is a tragedy yeah. about a young man who's a victim. Oh, but God, you yeah. don't realize it in the first two acts of this movie. And holy cow, the way the rug is pulled. Yeah. You think in the first 30 minutes of this movie, oh, I'm with Natalie Portman because she's outsider. She's yeah. The, she is taking all of this in. And mm-hmm. then she does that scene where she goes to the drama class Oh my God. It gets into sex scenes, and you're like, what the fuck is her deal? And you're yeah. like, wait a second. What is this movie actually, do- actually doing? <laughs> you know, is she- and then you're like, oh, she's a bad actress. Oh, she is yeah. a TV movie actress. She's not some prestige actress who's coming down to do this method thing. No. She just wants attention. She wants to be taken seriously. Yeah, but she doesn't care at all who she <laughs> runs over to do this to, including like the guy. Mel- yeah, he's yeah. so good in it. By the who way, he's a- talk about snubs and flubs. This kid should have been nominated for best supporting actor. Yeah, easily, easily. I hundred, I hundred percent. You know, like yeah, I, I the really nuance, I- the nuance and sadness to what he's doing to this role mm-hmm. is brilliant. It's utterly brilliant performance. He's this is a major star in the making. You ask me oh for sure for sure yeah no i liked yeah it's a it's a good time it's uh man the ending is so rough too where it's just like 
they um it's just like yeah they're just at the shooting of the movie and she just she she just she had no empathy she doesn't care Natalie Portman it's going to be a bad movie yeah it's gonna suck it's gonna be a bad TV movie it's gonna be trashy and just as exploitive as anything else yep and no one learned everything anything yes and he might be just the only thing that got learned was he might have learned he's in purgatory yeah which is so man yeah well and it's like yeah and you think about like um the uh other son character the one who's like that's what a tragic that character kind of flits in and out of the movie kind of like yeah like like he's just a haunting presence this person whose life was totally ruined ruined yeah totally yeah then like and then there's also what's even scarier to a certain degree is like the ex-husband his whole fucking deal where he's kind of like haynes never like lingers he just presents some ideas that are on always on shifting ground yeah they shifting ground on what people know what people actually are feeling like it's and like the astonishment of Julian Moore's character and performance all the way through. Mm-hmm. Who, how naive and simple is she? Yeah. Even by the end, I think you're still wrestling with it. Yeah. Even though maybe you're not. Like it's like, yeah. it's it's rough. It's just a it's, it's just, a yeah. mature movie that's asking a lot of the audience with really challenging moves and choices all the way through for sure i want to give it a re- i want to give it a rewatch now super high level super intelligent way that somehow found a way not to be exploitive within yeah. the context of an exploitive you know i feel like seedy, that's the- seedy underbelly to it it could have been a lifetime that's the thing too it could have been a lifetime movie mm-hmm. and they're playing with that too yeah, they're indicting. They're indicting that instead. And you know, Haynes was went to Brown, and he measured in semiotics, and kind of like that. Not to get like too far into, it, but like that French literary philosophy, philosophical like Roland Barthes mm-hmm. and um, Jacques Derrida, and. Um, kind of the text looking at what is the text what is the underlying meaning of the text all sorts of really super duper highbrow literary studies yeah like hard shit really yeah. hard stuff todd, todd haynes is a serious fucking man yes yeah but he's also playful yeah oh for sure yeah and you can't direct a movie like safe and not be playful he, but he's also like highly emotional mm. and highly empathetic and Folks, stop, stop underrating this guy. Like, yeah, for sure. Like, it's like, man, I remember. And you can make bl- a serious argument that it's um, a prejudice thing because he makes almost all of his movies are centered on women mm-hmm. or gay characters. Well, oh my and god, you, uh, that's an yeah. issue. Do you and remember? He doesn't make these hardcore bro movies, no, and maybe he's... that's a issue with it. I, I totally. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, too. Uh, and I think, like, a great example of that, like, dissonance was, I remember when that clip from May, December, the uh, the one where, like, Julianne Moore is like, oh, no, we're out of hot dogs, and there's the music sting. 
everyone was like, this is so corny. Why is it like like and it's just like no one was getting it. No. No one well, understood. It's, yeah. it's utterly brilliant, is what it is. Like, yeah, exactly. Like it's it was like it's I it's just yeah, I don't know. It just Well, people are really uncomfortable mm-hmm. with like frankly flamboyant swings, which what it which what which is what he's doing. Yeah. Like big swings, big like in your face confrontational cinematic choices. Yeah. Well, That's, and like that I, is what the great filmmakers do. And we're actually going to talk yeah. about it a little bit later with Killers of the Flower Moon, too. Oh, because sure. um, he's doing a very similar thing, frankly, especially with the ending of Killers mm-hmm. of the Flower Moon, where that level of a choice is a big, big, bold swing. But don't you want that? Yes. You want <laughs> like, people to try things. You want people to like, I don't know, like I'd rather have something bold and brave than, you know, expected and boring. Like I've had yeah. enough expected and boring in my life. You know, I, I was so undereducated with Todd Haynes. I, I had the opportunity. He came to Seattle once and I went to the, like this all day, like chat about independent cinema where he showed the, the Karen Carpenter Barbie movie that he made. Oh, oh wow. That you're not allowed to show. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they didn't promote it. But like he was just like milling about in the lobby, and I was like, oh, I wish. Like in retrospect, like twelve years later or whatever, I wish I'd like just come up to him. Like man, I the unknowing the opportunity of like getting to spend almost an entire day with truly one of the top guys. Yeah, I one of my favorite uh, viewings at Newbev was uh, watching Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and then after that we watched Velvet Goldmine. Velvet mm-hmm. Goldmine fucking whips. That's such a crazy. That is a movie that posits that like fucking Oscar Wilde is an alien and like you know, all these like insane. There's all these insane swings in that film. Uh, uh, yeah. By the way, this is a movie that's basically about like David Bowie and Iggy Pop, and it starts with like uh, Oscar Wilde being brought to Earth by uh, a spaceship. So yeah, that's like the did, type of yeah. He did the brilliant seven Bob Dylan's movie. I'm still there, or oh, I'm still here, yeah. or whatever it was called. I'm, I'm not, not there. there. Yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm still here. Was like I'm the still... Phoenix movie. Yeah, um, but it's on Netflix, folks. If you don't watch it, it's right there. It's it, and I think uh, based on the way I have been able to predict these things, if multiple people from the same movie do one of those Criterion Closet videos. Mm-hmm. That means that they've shown up at the Criterion offices to shoot a BTF behind the scenes interview. So May December yeah. is going to come out of the Criterion collection. But anyway, ooh, that's the done prognostication. That's my, folks. Yeah, like you could, you could kind of. Nobody just goes to do that. Oh, they're going there to do some yeah. level of a behind the scenes or interview or something like that as well. Yeah. So, anyway, what do you got at five? Oh, uh, number five. Uh, I love this movie. Number five. It's gotten no love from anyone, really. It's just, uh, it's. Uh, I feel like you can you can rent it on Amazon. You can rent it on Apple Plus. Uh, it's just a. It was a fun time of the movies. I was pleasantly. I took my parents to see this movie because we were like, it's just. It was the summer, you know. We were kind of trying to figure out, like, we'd watched Oppenheimer, but then we wanted to see a different movie. And we were like, well, let's watch this movie. This is like, you know, we know nothing about it, but, you know, maybe this will do movie roulette. Let's see what happens. And it was uh, Mark Turtletob's Jewels. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I that very under-talked-about movie. 
under talked about. I fucking loved this movie. Oh my god, it's number one. Only eighty. It's like eighty-seven minutes long. It's like a fun short time. It's super simple premise. It's very silly. It's uh, a flying saucer lands in the backyard of an elderly suburbanite with memory problems who forms a bond with a scared alien inside. It's basically <laughs> like E.T. E- e- with an old man. That's basically what the premise of this movie is. Ben Kingsley, he plays the lead character. He plays uh, Milton Robinson, and he's like this type of guy who um, he's that classic guy who goes to like the small town meeting. And, you know, when the town when the town hall is having their little meeting, he's like, oh, the these there should be more crosswalks. There's not enough crosswalks. And he doesn't like a very polite way. He's very like, um, did you ever watch that Tig Notaro TV show on Amazon Prime? I never saw it. No, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, But uh, so like um, he I would say that his character, he's like this classic. He's like an engineer dad. He's like that type of guy, kind of awkward, not super emotionally savvy. Um. He, uh, his wife passed away, so he just kind of lives by himself, and he's also beginning to have memory issues. And so, um, he, uh, finds an alien in his backyard, a spaceship lands in his backyard. Uh, his daughter is, you know, of course his daughter is like, oh no, we need to go to a doctor. Like, your health is not well. We'll put him Um, in a home. Yeah, exactly. Um, they you know no home is put into, thank goodness. But uh, but you know, like that 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 is there, and that's like that's like Ben Kingsley's fear. He's like this guy who's been very self reliant all his life, and he doesn't want to like go that path. Um, he ends up like telling there's like two other like old um you know older f- folks that are also attend all the town hall meetings, and uh, one of them is played by Harriet Sansom Harris. Who uh, was had that like incredible scene as the um, I think she was the agent in Licorice Pizza. Oh yeah, she's the the drunk dress buyer in um, Phantom Thread. Yeah, she's so yeah. she's so good in this movie. She kind of yeah, plays kind of she's like a kind of like a hippy dippy grandma character who like her kids haven't talked to her in a long time. See, that's the thing is like everyone, you know. It's like a movie about dealing with loneliness. Because uh, then the third level of this, uh, the third. Uh, character in this group is Jane Curtin uh played by Joyce and Joyce is kind of like the uh the, the crank she's like the town hall crank she's like kind of like the meaner version of Ben Kingsley's character and you realize she had this life where she went out to like the big city of course for her the big city was Pittsburgh <laughs> wasn't New York but like you know and it didn't turn out the way she anticipated and so um one by one they all end up like meeting this alien um they all just kind of like hang out with this alien who like fills like the void that they're missing. Like they all clearly need like a son or a grandson or a daughter or like they're all and they're all lacking that. And they kind of find solace in this like weird, this weird alien who will uh, who has the ability, by the way. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it. There's like a moment in this movie where um, things go from like five to 100 and I'll I'll leave it uh, for the audience to find out about when they watch it. But um. I don't know. It's just very sweet. Sounds, very sounds like it. Yeah, cute, cute, fun time at the theaters. Love the love the design of the alien. Had a, it has a great look, um, and it's just a man, just a banger performances from the three leads. Sounds like a fun one to watch with the family too. Oh yeah, it was just a soothing bomb. It was nice. It was nice to like. I don't know. It's like such a great feeling when like everyone leaves the theater and we're all just like, we love this movie. Uh, which I've definitely had the experience of the opposite. We're all go and see a movie. <laughs> And uh, mm-hmm. like I, I, 
We're I looking at you, House of Gucci. <laughs> oh God! Or like, or like a. Uh, oh my God, Don! I told you this. I, I on like Christmas Eve. I don't know why. Sometimes I have that dog in me, man. We were trying to think of a movie to watch on Christmas Eve, and I was like, "Let's watch Runaway Train." It takes place in the snow. Oh <laughs> so, Manny! Oh Manny! No! Oh Manny! <laughs> and it's like I love Runaway Train. That movie rules. But it was also like I could see the look on my mom's face, and she was like, "Why aren't we watching?" It's a Wonderful John, Life. John Boyd you... entering the existential void as he's hanging. <laughs> yeah, as the as the red uh, as the red text of that's like quote from fucking King Lear or whatever appears. Big. Uh, five stars. Big yeah. two thumbs up on the Academy Academy on Runaway Train. But that yep. was not a, not a twenty twenty three movie. So sounds no. like you made a better choice choice with Jules. Yeah, um, for sure. My number four. Ooh. Movie that's been on my list since toward the beginning of the year. Wonderful. Albert Sarah's Pacifiction. Currently on Ooh. can be rented as well. Here's the letterbox description. Island of Tahiti. French government official De Roller is a calculating man with impeccable manners capable of dealing with both high society and the locals he frequents in shady joints. <laughs> this movie's 160 minutes long. 166 minutes long. Perhaps oh, wow. the the wooziest am I what am I watching dream movie that I've seen in years? It's utterly gorgeous. It is so weird. So unsettling, kind of. It's like a thriller, but it goes so slow. You're like, is something going to happen to De Roller? Mm. De Roller is played by the great French actor Benoit Magimel. Um, he wears these white suits and Hawaiian shirts the entire time and thinks he owns the joint. He might not. We'll just put it that way. There's a part where he goes in his white suit and Hawaiian shirt on a jet ski into like waves and stuff like that. That is one of the most transfixing images I've ever seen. Um, Albert Serra's movies are like nothing else I've ever seen. They're almost anti-entertainments, but they almost turn the corner from mm-hmm. being boring anti-entertainments to being the most thrilling thing you're going to see. Mm-hmm. He is so unaudience friendly but again makes it so gorgeous so weird so transfixing it's it's hard to describe supposedly david fincher claimed pacifiction was the most perfect movie of last year wow i don't know why or even how he saw it but he was talking about it to the team behind it and they Went to the press like, yeah, apparently he loved it. Um, It's not easy. By any means. But at the same time, if you're ready for it, this is good. This could be your favorite movie that came out last year. It's on my list. I think it's really high because you've been talking about this movie for some time. And I I, you know me, I like the endurance tests. Yeah, I like the challenge. This is Albert Sarah's best movie. Wow. Um. He made, he made the the death of Louis the Fourteenth. I think it was, Ooh. as well. Was that the one that was a um like the orgy that goes on way no, too long? We'll, we'll oh. get to that in a moment here. But okay, good, no, good, the good, death good. of Louis the Fourteenth is him for two hours just laying in bed as his oh. doctors come and check on him as he's like dying wow. of gangrene. Oh God, not pleasant either. But no, 
I want to see that. Than though. the other one I've seen from Alistair, which is Liberté, which there is, we go, which is the 132 minute. <laughs> just look on your face, Don. You had this. It's like shell shocked. You had a shell shock. This doesn't normally happen. I've seen. I've seen a lot of kinds of movies, and this one was um, as unpleasant. Is <laughs> I. But here's don't the thing, we're like... I don't we're... recommend it, but at the same time, if you're gutsy, I want to hear about it. Email us at the Academy Academy Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, that's the if thing. you've we're watched like... it, what you thought of this thing. Because it's confrontational. We'll put Ooh. it that way. It's confrontational. But passive fiction is confrontational, but a lot more um, pleasing. Yeah. It's boring, mm. but it's really pleasing and really interesting. The word that keeps coming to mind is woozy. You kind of feel a little like you've been at a bar and you've realized, oh, I may have gone a little too far. <laughs> but you're still coherent enough to like recognize that. Yeah. Or like maybe you're like at a bar and you have like a conversation with someone. And like the longer you have this conversation with this person, the more you realize, oh, his we have very different viewpoints and his viewpoints are bad. And it's like I feel like a frog in a in a pot that's slowly boiling. Okay, imagine all of that plus <laughs> I'm not I I don't usually do this, but it's happened to me like once where um I didn't understand really what milligrams meant on like an edible. <laughs> and you're like, oh man, I'm like I thought I could like this feels way more intense than Oh no. I'm still here, but I'm starting not to feel well. But this yeah. is also kind of interesting. This is cool, but and I also I'm, might like, be having a like, heart attack. Yeah, yeah. and But I'm also like have to maintain social like mores because I'm in public. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. So if all of that is appealing to you, mm. check out Passive Fiction on Movie. I, I, I've been raving about it for a year. and it, it's I found it just endlessly weird and fascinating and like maybe I'll do kind it of, Sunday. Kind of unforgettable. Uh, man, I want to watch this movie. I want to watch these movies. And I'm usually not like a uh I'm not like a guy. I'm not like the type of freak who will watch uh and like and I say freak in a positive term by the way. We need boundary push like in that regard. Like I I like like you know the, the 100 days of Sodom like movies like that should exist, I think. Oh yeah. Um yeah. uh and uh and I'm you, but I'm usually not that because I'm just squeamish. I'm just a squeamish guy. Like certain things make my tummy hurt. Uh, and this but, is uh, a director who is playing in those ponds. Yeah, and I'm kind of yeah. like I'm. I don't know. Like I might have to get into the tummy. There is something. I mean, I am as I get older and my tummy gets stronger. I do think that like oh man, I might have to. I might have to give. I want to give Albert Sarah a go. I want to like even if it's like you know I'm seeing some squeamish things on the screen. I'm. I want to live for. I live for it now. I want to like. I want to like. I want to see. I want to see what I can take. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe well, it's I think like it's I'm... like. Yeah, I think that like like I said, like I'm the kind of guy who likes a 27 minute jam or um, yeah, running a, mar a running a marathon. And I think that these movies <laughs> kind of it's fall like in line with that too. Yeah. And well, like he, it's the... like we were talking about that movie Days, the Siming Long movie last year with the mm -hmm. or two years ago. Was it two years ago now? Um, and oh yeah time right uh, time. but yeah i mean i had that like 20 minute massage scene <laughs> 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 
Why not? I, Why I not? like I, I like I like I like but I I like the boundary the boundary pushing and this is definitely a director who's like of the moment right now who's like actively going for that and I find that very interesting but yet this is definitely I think definitely is actually his most audience friendly movie if you can believe it once you watch this movie <laughs> for sure for sure uh what do you got in the four spot ooh number four okay it's time to talk about it. Number four is a, a little movie by Alexander Payne, The Holdovers. Okay, cool. I yeah, I love this. This was like, um, yeah. I just went into the theater and I had. I'm not gonna lie, my expectations were kind of low. Um, not that they like you know, not that like it wasn't gonna be. I knew it would be good, but I didn't have expectations of it being great because it seemed kind of slight. Uh, yeah. But watching it, uh, I think that. Uh. Paul Giamatti's character, Paul Hunnam, his I love that he's also named Paul, his character he portrays. Yeah. Um, I think he's just like one of the most interesting three-dimensional complex characters that we've seen in theaters in a long time. He's, and I love, yeah. He's already an all-time character. Oh, already. it rules. Yeah. He's, yeah, it's like uh, just from his, you know, like from his, like, you know, uh, his uh, smell, his, you know, his eye, like his whole, like, damage, the da- his damaged life, the everything... I don't know everything he's gone through. His enemy, you know, the fact that he has this chip on his shoulder because he didn't get to fight World War II, or that he never like had the same upbringing as the kids that he teaches at this prestigious institution. Um, I just loved, I loved his character. I loved the path he went on. I love that he was. But you never hate him either, no matter no. how he, um, how curmudgeonly he is. Yeah, well, and I love that, like, he doesn't, this movie doesn't do any of that bullshit where, like, he doesn't get the girl. He doesn't get, like, this happy ending, but he kind of gets a happy ending because... He gets the right ending. Yeah, and it's, oh, and it's beautiful, and it's, it reminds me of what we talked about. We watched um, Drive My Car, that whole thing of, like, you know, that yeah. whole, like, hey, we have this, just this one fucking life, and you have to live it to your fullest. Like, that whole, like, uh, we're yeah, just these, it's, we're just these, we're all damaged goods just trying to get by. It's an affirming, it, it's ultimately so affirming. Yeah, oh, man. I love, yeah, Dominic Sessa's great in it, too. I thought he had a great performance. Yeah, uh, for the, three lead, the three leads oh. are, yeah. um, Her character, Divine Joy Randolph, her character is so, like, unex- that's, like, a character that could have been, like, horribly cliche and kind of lame and boring. But there's and... brilliant moments, like the moment where she breaks down at the party and yeah. Paul Giamatti shuts the door to the kitchen. It's such a like minor gesture, but it's so telling of his what's at, his understanding. Yeah. Like it's so it's it's human. It's like earned earned empathy. Yeah. He's been it's, there. It's he not feels phony. That. There's nothing yeah. phony about it. And it's just kind of and it's also earned because we've gone on the journey with that he understands her, which yeah. she might need at this point, too. It's you're right. It could have been number one. Could have been number I, one. I, I had it at number one for a little while. I was uh, it was for a moment because I just I was so hot coming out of the theater I, watching this. It was just like yeah. It's a movie though that's gonna. I mean, we kind of talked about what's gonna stand the test of time. What isn't? You can't really predict these things, but. Mm-hmm. It felt like that immediately after walking out. It's like, oh, this is like, I mean, yeah, this is the last detail. This is 
only angels have wings. This is, you know, like, Oh yeah, for sure. You it's, mean, it's, throughout the times of movies, like, it might not be the Godfather or it might not no, be, it's like a slider. Might film, not be it's not... Killers of the Flower Moon. No, but, um, what it is, is like, it's going to hold that spot of those, just those, those ones, the key ones. I think yeah. like it I think it'll be it's yeah. right into that place of an all timer to me for like sure. And, keep and, coming and back to it. Well, it's because there's a timeless quality for, to it. Like it's just, it, it really just, it captures a moment like shout out to David Hemmingson. Yes. Like his script really, you get the sense that it captures this era so well and effectively. And yeah, yeah it just, it's like a nice slice of like, I don't know. It's just a nice slice of life feature that they just don't really make that many of anymore. And it shouldn't be as hard as it is. But then mm-hmm. again, I think it's like maybe it is. And maybe yeah. it needs maybe you need a team. Because there's so many elements to it where it's like it's the right script, right writer, right director, and absolutely the right cast to kind yeah. of all like it's it's I think it's Paul Giamatti's like Magnum. Yeah. Oh, like this is kind of like his like I think even more so than sideways this because is it's just a, like... it's everything he does it's yeah everything he does well yeah it, you know and yeah I think and as much as I feel there's another performance that matches his that we can talk about and we'll be talking about in a little bit I imagine mm-hmm. <laughs> if he does win Best Actor of the Academy Awards it's justified and deserved. And I'd be so happy to see him yeah. finally get that. Get it would to that be a, place. I would love that too. I think, yeah, because I'm with you. I have a feeling I'm like 99% sure I know who. Uh, there's uh, another. I think. Yeah, there's, people, yeah it's, it's pretty obvious. It's pretty. And I agree with you too. I think he's probably because his. Yeah. Revelatory. This other performance. But like, yeah. But I think like if Paul Giamatti won for this, it'd be just as well. And it'd be like it because it's, it's just such a good. It's, it's so good in it. It's He's so it's, enthralling. It's just a lovely moving movie. Justifiably deserves its acclaim. And I I actually think they pulled it from theaters too fast to be on Peacock. Yeah, I it's, think that it's... it was it was still finding its legs because it's a movie that I think you gotta be a little heartless not to be yeah. moved by. It's like it's such a like you'd have to be a bit of a jerk. I don't know. Like yeah. it's just so like it's so um I understand just, if you if Kills the Flower Moon was jarring to you or something like that, but I don't really understand it with this movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't see it. There's nothing jarring about this. It's sweet. It's warm. It's a warm movie. It's very like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good. Like, um, I mean, I know everyone's been saying this, but I mean, it's like a Lost Hell Ashby movie. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, it is. Yeah, put it up yeah. there next to the Landlord and Harold and Mod. Why not? Yeah, definitely. Same, uh, same, same deal entirely. Uh, my number three movie, yes, is still in theaters. Oh, uh, maybe it got distribution from a comp- something called Ketchup Entertainment, which is not a good sign. <laughs> Wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> I know, I know. A mustard production. A mustard production. I'm talking, of course, about Michelle Franco's film Memory, starring Ooh. Jessica Chastain and Peter Sarsgaard. Man, I want um, to see this movie. This is when I saw it at the AFI Film Festival. And I was immediately like, this is my kind of movie, baby. I mean, mm-hmm. I was so moved by it, and I cried in the theater. 
Um, the storyline is Sylvia is a social worker who leads a simple and structured life. This is blown open with Saul follows her home from their high school reunion. Their surprise encounter will profoundly impact both of them as they open the door to the past. Mm -hmm. um, that's very much skimming the surface. You could tell she's very like Jessica Chastain plays Sylvia, very troubled woman. She's got like presented immediately having six locks on her apartment door. Wow, that's a lot of locks. And she, <laughs> and she doesn't really like let her teenage daughter go anywhere, and they want to. She wants to like hang out with her all the time. For some reason, she goes to this high school reunion, and from Franco, Michelle Franco is a Mexican director, who his last movie was Sundown with Tim Roth, which was very interesting. He's a very interesting director who's kind of of the Michael Michael Haneke school of like Ooh. edgy, jarry European yeah. kind of so kind of like a Rick Alverson type. This is his, by a wide margin, his most emotional movie, I think. Um, shoots this wonderful wide shot of Jessica Chastain sitting alone at the table. And out of focus, coming into focus, is Peter Sarsgaard, who kind of comes and sits down next to her, but doesn't say anything. She's clearly, like, really jarred by his presence. So she takes off and leaves. Mm -hmm. He follows her home, like, from a block away. It's really, like, what on earth is going on here? This is very, like... Obviously, it should be uncomfortable. She races in, locks the door. She looks at her window, and he's like standing there outside Jesus of her apartment. Oh, it no. pours raining. She looks at the window the next morning. She works. She lives next to a car garage. He's sleeping in a pile of tires with like a newspaper over him as a blanket. You're like, okay, that's weird. Yeah. She goes out and confronts him. She's and she clearly does not like him for some reason. So what we find out is what follows from here. She, this movie's called Memory. She believes that he was a part of a group of boys from high school who assaulted her in a horrific encounter. That's her memory. And it since led her down a terrible road of alcoholism which has led her she's an AA now but she's now a shut-in and kind of really protective of her life for gotcha. rightful reasons she's got a lot of trauma yeah. but we find out about him is that he has early onset dementia and he does not even know he followed her home oh no and they develop this strange new bond about what is true what is reality where are they at where are they at now and what it becomes is something you don't expect from what I just de described to you. When things are revealed, what really happened, what the trauma really is, all of these things get do get revealed and for the most part and get understood. Because with him, you're like, oh, we like him. He seems nice. Did he do this? Does he not remember? Ooh. Did he do this? Or is she misremembering? Or is it a deeper-seated thing for her that was even more buried about something that really went down? And all of it kind of coalesces to this story about these tragic, broken people kind of coming together. And, and two of the best performances of the year. Both of them are great. Peter Sarsgaard, who I've always been a fan of, is relevatory. Yeah. Um, 
and he really should have been nominated for best actor at the academy awards i these are whatever yeah it's, this movie's the, too small this movie's too small it's too heavy yeah. all these things to kind of it's not flashy by any means even though i think michelle franco is a he does this scene where all the characters get together in this confrontation. Mm-hmm. They're, he shoots it wide in one or doesn't oh, wow. move the camera. And they're all there. So you can see all of their faces as they're reacting to all of these new truths that are coming out and confrontations that are happening and the discomfort of it. He lets it all play out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that Fincher line. There are 100 shots. There are actually only two. One is right. This is a guy who thinks that way. I cannot wait. He's already shot his next movie with Jessica Chastain coming out this year. I can't wait for his next movie. This is a guy to watch for me. He's been around a bit, but this one was so powerful. I was so moved by it. I think it's really under the radar. And I knew it immediately. I was like, that's a great film. And can't recommend it more, but it's, very very heavy i i'm excited because like uh, the only film i'm familiar with with frank michelle franco is i believe he directed chronic yeah that was another one and he worked a lot with tim roth but another like yeah that was like a pull the rug out from under you yeah almost in a cruel way mean movie (laughs) yeah but it's still like yeah but it's still like the work of a serious artist in my opinion so like i'm like really i'm i'm genuinely excited I want to see this movie. Peter Sarsgaard, also one of the most underrated Absolutely. character actors. He should, yeah, like I, I still am of the mind that he should have been nominated for an Oscar for Shattered Glass. Oh, yeah. Definitely. What are the, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, man. And I what think a world. Like, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, remember his performance in Boys Don't Cry? Ooh. Where he played the um, the villain? I mean, yeah. He's he's a real and actor. I think almost haunted him for a long time because everyone was like hated him so fucking much. Yeah, I mean, I think he was like, cast as like it, I think it was like not until like it took like shattered glass to kind of break the See cycle him in a of like light. yeah yeah he was that... like and he's blessed with like bus curse whatever with these kind of hooded eyes yeah he has a, big, a bit of yeah. a receding hairline and that kind of um androgynous almost voice yeah. And that kind of like, and I think what's interesting this one, he's got a beard, kind of graying, so you get a different side to him. In yeah, this he's one. a little older now. He's a little, he's like, a little older now. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think that gives him a new. You know, he was really good in um, kind of thanklessly in the Batman. Yeah, so I was, think, I was thinking yeah. about that too. Like, what a thank because it's like he had one of the most thankless roles. He's like. He, yeah. He's in a Batman movie and he doesn't get to play any of like the doesn't real important. Do anything fun at all? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he's just kind of like a victim. But man, yeah. he like really like you know, in a bad guy. But he kind of like um, he like does a good job. Know, he, he's really yeah. yeah. He's always good. And I heard, I guess I saw a Q and A with him and Michelle Franco at the FI Fest. And I guess um, what Michelle Franco was saying is that basically he went to Jessica Chastain first. This is a real, you mm-hmm. know, her. I mean, she's powerhouse and everything she does oh yeah but um they asked her like oh is there who would you like to be paired with and her first name that came to her she's like i've never worked with sarsgaard and i actually think we'd be really well matched and she's so spot on with that they are they're the kind they're a couple on screen that you really want to see together like firing oh, off yeah, sure. they have like a chemistry and a dynamic 
you know, and they, I think it might be because they're serious, very serious actors and all that kind of thing. But I think they just match really, really well together. They look good together. They, yeah, they, they like... seem lot. They seem logical together. Like there's no like weird like age discrepancy or. Oh like, yeah, they're they, both. They, they... They're at the you, they're at the right age. They like they they buy yeah. you buy them completely. That's wonderful. I love that. These two people and these two people together too. So that was yeah number number three. Oh number, nice number, number three. three. Oof. Uh, I'm curious. I wonder if this will be your number three or if you'll say higher. I can't wait to find out. Uh, that was my number three memory. So oh number ahead. three. Yeah. Oh sorry. Uh, if this will be your number two or your uh, number one, I guess it will be higher no matter what. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Oppenheimer. Higher. Yeah, there we go. Hey, it's incredible ten out of ten experience. Okay. I'm here. Okay, let's do number two. Uh, number two. Number right. two. I'm gonna grab my uh, power cord so we can finish this. Finish the job here because I yeah. think we're gonna be talking about some um, big movies. Some big ones. Yeah. Some some big boys. I'll be right back. I'm still not entirely certain the order here. It's tough, man. These, <laughs> are, these are seminal films, seminal um, movies. I mean, everybody can already guess. We've already said higher on them. I guess it just depends on which one I'm deciding is the number one. Mm-hmm. So, number two. And this is arbitrary. These are both the movies of the year for me. Um, number two, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, fucking banger! Um, yeah. What do you mean? What can you say? <laughs> it's like he—he's—he's he's the freak of the week. Martin Scorsese, we love him. He's—I mean, he's the man. He's Great. like an yeah. It's an, well, man. It's, yeah. We are all lucky to be living in the same airspace as this man. <laughs> I um, mean, yeah, he's like the most important living American director. I think that's a fair thing to say. In terms of just like, oh, really? No, I'd living? say he's the most important living worldwide. Oh, <laughs> worldwide. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, like, yeah that was I mean, my disagreement. <laughs> you know what? You might be right. No, no, I was. Uh, yeah, because for a split second, I was like, oh, maybe he thinks PT or something. But like, yeah, not that PT isn't important. Not, but like, uh, but, not, uh, even, not even Paul Thomas Anderson thinks that. Yeah, but uh, given the yeah. rumor, given the rumor that came out about Killers of Flower Moon, but <laughs> oh man, the revelation, the revelation. <laughs> Anyway, what's you can yeah. look it up, folks. Look it up. It's a good um, rumor. It's it's a fun rumor. Alleged, I like it. Very alleged. Very alleged. Probably yeah, it's true. or maybe true. He's he. Why? Well, who knows? Um, yeah. continues to push every single boundary to be almost underappreciated in doing so mm-hmm. by by both the you know in terms of the skeptical. Young people online, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I don't. This like, and kind of misunderstanding too, his intentions, and the fact yeah. that like, this is as heady and as difficult and as big and as an indictment of so America. many things, America of, of, of the world, uh, has, not the world, not the world really, but like, yeah, but like of like, I've deeply, seen it deeply unpleasant. Deeply complicated. Oh yeah, the complete utter efforts to show contradictory elements to 
all of the characters in this movie that the shades of gray are so deep and dark and cavernous. Yeah. And so much has been said already about this. I think this is a gigantic all-time movie. This is... It, it it's is almost like a, indescribable how big of a deal this movie is. I mean, it is like crazy. Like Ernest Burkhart, I've seen so that, this movie th- three times in theaters. That's what I want to get at. Yeah, actually, because he did not get nominated for Best Actor at the Academy. Yeah, I, was I think this is the thing that's worth describing is how good he is in this movie. And we're going to talking about Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Um. And the kind of almost guts that he and Scorsese had. In presenting this guy, this worm, he's such a worm, and he's so like, and he is like, he's a dullard. He is definitely the dumbest, and I can't believe like, there's a lot of people in the running for dumbest Martin Scorsese protagonists. There's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of like high level, but this guy is genuinely like stupid. Like he is, and and a brute, yeah. like a a total, like almost perhaps he is a- crazy. Horrific brute who does heinous things. Yeah, but then there's who like a also weird... deeply and truly loves his wife. Loves his wife. Yes. And it's it's so much. You're like it's crazy. It is who crazy. Like the level of might uh... not understand how those could be a contradictory uh, things. Yeah. Well, and like you have Robert De Niro's character who is like basically doing a higher level version of what he's doing where he will simultaneously he learned the language who of, I do actually think loves yes he does he, he 100% loves the people but he's also like one of the biggest to- monsters ever portrayed on a movie yeah. well and I think he like he totally views it as I think he genuinely buys into the like, oh, they can't handle that money. They're just sickly and old. Like he, I Which think he buys, shows yeah. the true evil. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, and uh, yeah, uncomfortable evil because it's not black hats, white hats. Oh man, good guys, bad guys. It is a true subconscious level of evil. It's yeah, it is brutal. Although, like you can also, which is argue... a more truthful evil, yeah, than although, mustache twirling is. Although, like you. You can wonder too, like that's the great thing about that movie is, like I said, this I've watched it, like seen it three times in theaters, and this is like a three hour plus long movie, so it's a it's a lot to see in a movie theater, and um, like I'm still like unsure about certain like the extent of like is it subconscious? To what extent is he like totally clear? To what extent like I'm I'm still like you know, what is the meaning of that ending? Like that, in, you know, the an ending that, um, is that like an indictment of Scorsese? Is it that is, indi- it yeah. is. It, because, so here's the deal. Like it starts off as he's turning the, like much like here's the pen at the end of Wolf of Wall Street. He's holding it to us. Mm-hmm. But then, spoiler, it's on Apple TV. Watch it. Um, yeah. When he walks out on stage and does it, yeah, he's he's then he's flipping the camera again on himself and saying, "I'm Man. part of this too," and I'm part of it as an entertainer. I'm part of this, which is like, man, that is like a brave, like it is like really it's like bold, it's a there were gasps in the theater. Yeah, at the, when I saw the Chinese, 
I mean, it was they are gasps. Thanks yeah. to you too. Oh my goodness, I for, totally forgot. Oh yeah. Oh you man. You bought me. You bought the tickets. So for, we, Patrick got hip to the news that Mr. Scorsese himself was going to be doing an intro Q and A at a screening at the Chinese Theater here in Los Angeles opening weekend. Patrick, fucking hero, got us Thank those you. tickets. Oh, and man, then yeah. tragedy struck for Patrick. Uh, yeah, um, I couldn't. I forget. I forget what something. I don't even know what it was, but it was. It, yeah, but it was. It was so sad and so disappointing. You couldn't make it. Friend of the show, Sean. Good, Sean, listening. Um, Sean, came with, much respect. Came with, came with the came with me to go see it. We saw. We were. We saw the man himself. Friend of the show, Graham High, was there on his own volition. He got <laughs> tickets. Otherwise. He was, and both of us were like, "Did you get up and like cheer like a little like a child?" And I was like, "Yeah, I did. I'm so happy to see him." It rules our that little, he like our beloved little man. Like, yes, our little guy, our little guy, our little, our little, little pocket sized director. Man, it's so, and it's like you know the thing too is like as they get older, there's like you got to cherish those moments. You got to like we only have so many <sighs> Scorsese's. It's sad to think about. No, I see. It's he knows it. We know it, and. This film just shows like this is the most main like in a sense he's the most mainstream established coronated mm-hmm. guy and yet he's still out there like fighting and like yeah. freaking you out in a way. Oh, for with sure. These things and it's like a, it's a freak out. It's like I think some people don't... he's got this real edge to it and you have to remember too, like you're about to get there. I think is like he's been coronated, he's been made king, but for his entire career, he has made people uncomfortable with uncomfortable truths. Big time. It's not like watching a taxi driver today is like an easy no. time. Taxi oh, driver is rough as hell. Oh, for sure. Raging Bull is rough <laughs> as hell. Like all of his yeah. like movies are like. Well, and the thing too is like. I think like this movie still like there's I think there's a reason why Killers isn't getting the same love as um you know other movies on the pod as and it, and I think part of it uh, that we've been discussing I think part of it does have to do with it really like it asks some tough questions that a lot of like you know academy film goers perhaps are like a little uh, rough uncomfortable about they don't wanna they don't want to mm, think about it too much and he doesn't make it easy and no. you know I, I mean there's a lot of conversation with around DiCaprio not getting the nod because his character's unlikable. Oh, come on. Anyway, come on. Grow up. Yeah, Grow up. Get out of here. Look what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I, I know it sucks that the biggest, most famous, and best paid actor mm-hmm. is also the best. But <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> tough, you know, tough luck. You know, yeah. that's a reason he is the biggest and most paid actor, best well-paid actor, because he is fucking the great. Yeah, you know? it, it, yeah, it is like yeah. I still, it is wild that yeah, he's the guy who gets to read every script first, and because yeah, he's the best. Yeah. Like he brings the heat every single time. He's completely unselfconscious in it because mm-hmm. he's like never plays like a fun hero guy. Yeah, never. he hasn't. Yeah, he's not like even like. Yeah, I guess like the closest he got to that was maybe like Jack and Titan. It was a Titanic no, movie. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He, he turned his back on it ever since. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
and even then his character is like a little scoundrel who ends up like a, yeah. a little bit of a scoundrel, and then but he he's... ends up just dying in the end. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's he is consistently challenging your expectations of him, and yes. no, perhaps no more than this movie. Because this challenges those expectations, baby. Um, yeah, I mean, you already know about it, though, folks. Like, yeah, it's a ten out of ten. It's a bang. It's a great film. Uh, honestly, well, it should probably be higher on my list. I really loved that movie. It's a easily, Lily Gladstone. Yeah, I'll, easily I'll... could be the number one movie of the year. Oh, easily. If like, not, if it isn't, you know, on a more love, honest uh... day. I loved all the guys in it too, like all the like all the side characters. Oh, I love every, the everybody scene. from established actors like John Lithgow and Brennan Fraser to um, all the weird musicians. That he oh cast. my god, seeing Sturgill Simpson in it and like Sturgill uh, Simpson, Jason Isbell, like uh, like Pete Yorn. Yeah, um, <laughs> Rodrigo Prieto's um, cinematography, Jack Fisk's production design, Robbie oh, Robertson's yeah. music. Thelma Schumacher's editing. Yeah, um, it's a it's a complete package. This film is a complete package. This is this is the heights, man. Mm-hmm. This is the heights of filmmaking. And if there wasn't a simultaneous film to me, almost simultaneous film, mm-hmm. reaching the same heights, this would be right there at number one. And they're interchangeable. We'll talk about number one in a sec. Number two for you, Patrick. Oh man, uh, number two, I. I love this movie. Uh, the last movie he made, uh, this director, uh, it was um, the last movie he made was great, but it wasn't like in my top ten when it came out in theaters. But I saw this movie. I saw this movie at like a pop up, and I, maybe it was because I saw it with such a hyped audience of like this and film goers fans. Yeah. And like, oh man, it really resonated with me in a way that like uh, a lot of movies on this uh, list, I guess, did. Um, I'm gonna say my number two is Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. Oh. Yeah. I yeah. fucking man, I fucking love this movie. I love the vibe Great. of it. I love the it's so good. It's like I think it's like my favorite movie of it might be my second favorite Wes Anderson after um the Grand Budapest Hotel. Like mm. I just really I really love I love the performances. Jason Schwartzman gives one of my favorite performances of the year. One of his kind of, one of his very best that he's ever done. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like uh in the layers, uh, I love the layers within the layers. Like I think it all works, and like what it's trying to say about art and creation and and trauma. I don't know. Like I just, I really, I just really, uh, this movie felt deeply emotional to me in a way that um, I feel like a lot of people um, claim that like Wes Anderson is just purely in a. a an aesthetic like he's an aesthetic director only and like like a lot of his movies kind of just feel like these like wonderful little like um i don't know like uh dioramas that like you know lack a heart and that's fucking crazy like i don't know he's soulful this is a soulful man <laughs> sean fantasy of the ringer made a good point that somehow despite all of the press and all the talk and all the popularity he might be the most underestimated filmmaker working today. Yeah, I think just because he has, just because he has like a, a unique aesthetic, people fucking ah, they get like it, it annoys people, and it is just I I genuinely think it's just he's a little different. That weirds me out. Like that, like that's what it yeah. fucking boils down to for a lot of folks. And he doesn't. He's his stories have gotten more complicated, more difficult to like mm-hmm. chip away at. 
I, I would, I would go, uh, change it almost from underestimated to one of the most underrated. Yeah. Like, and slept on almost as a serious filmmaker. Because I think sure. I agree. Asteroid City could have easily been in my top five. Whereas <laughs> of now, it was like around 12 on my list. Yeah, which is <laughs> but, fine. Yeah. There are a lot of great movies. It, this was a good movie year, by the way. Oh. Yeah. Better really than last year, fun. I think. Yeah. It was well, like better yeah. than maybe a decade almost. Like, I mean, it's that good. Yeah. Um, Good pick. And then that, uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Right oh, now. yeah. Yeah, hey, um, and you, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. I don't even know what the hell that means, and I found it so powerful. I loved it. I think, like... I like, it's just a vibe, almost. It's like... Yeah, I feel like, uh, I think, like, because, like, uh, that moment, like, I remember just, like, I don't know, like, maybe it was just, like, his direction and, like, the way that everything built. Like, I just remember hearing that, that seeing that whole sequence, and, like, like I felt a fucking tingle. Like, I, I you know what I mean? Like, I... I, I it vibed with me in a way that so many like moments didn't vibe with me. And I feel like, I think what it means is like, weirdly, it means you have, you have to go through some bullshit in order to like, you know, and maybe let it go. Yeah. And let it go. I don't know. It's just, yeah, yeah I have something I'm thinking about. Too. It's like, it's just, it's stuck with me. I love it. I don't know. Great movie. Great time. Uh, Yeah. Love it. Yep. I love, love it. it. I loved it too. I was incredibly moved as well. Number one. Numero uno. Yeah, let's take do a guess. It. Christopher Nolan Oppenheimer. Uh, Tear the band uh, right there. Yeah. What what it wasn't uh it wasn't Disney's wish? I thought you were gonna talk about a movie I, like it did I liked his last one but didn't affect me more. I thought you were gonna clearly talking about James Wan's malignant to um Aquaman yeah. the Lost Kingdom. <laughs> Aquaman Oh yeah, Aquaman the Lost we had the part where they find yeah. that Lost Kingdom? Whoa. Yeah, that's whatever but... the hell. Anyway, number one movie. <laughs> yeah, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, uh, banger. It's such a good movie. You can rent it. It's going to be on Peacock soon. Um, I, uh, here, I will it's say. Gonna, it's going to win Best Picture. Like yeah, 100%. <laughs> I, I, I generally, I think I would have put it number one had I seen it just. Well, I haven't seen it since July, I want to say. So, like, I, I wish I had. If I had, like, just, like, if there were 26 hours in a day or 27 hours in a day. And if I could have gotten just like one more viewing of it in, I think I would have put it at number one, like a hundred percent. He's um, we all know him. Yeah, I it's just it's just... totally in the bag for him. But this is him firing it. Also, awesome. absolutely everything he does. Oh man, at the highest level, but perhaps on an even more serious, like important to the state of the world sense. This is. Every department mm -hmm. going full tilt. Hoida Van Hoidema, cinematography. Jennifer LeMay, editing. Uh, Ruth DeShong, production design. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Uh, Ludwig Gorenson. Wow. Music. Um, each of the key things. Oh, and then performances. Starting, of course, with outside of Paul Giamatti, we are, of course, referring to Killian Murphy. Oh um, yeah, one of the great, and I think that's the one that truly does deserve to win. Like it is such a like powerhouse performance. It's something to him too. It's he's handed it, and he saw the challenge, he recognized it, and he stepped up and met it. He had a guy who had not led yeah. a big gigantic movie before, knew the stakes, and again met it. But everyone else, Robert Downey Jr., Matt oh, Damon, yeah. Emily, Josh Hartnett, 
Josh Hartnett, Florence Pugh, Benny Safdie. Um, Everyone. You name uh, it. The guy Everybody. from the guy Jason, from Numbers. Jason Clark is the mean lawyer. Oh, um, I love him as the mean lawyer. Uh, yeah. Also, big shout out to Jason Clark as another mean lawyer in Billy Friedkin's final film, The Kane Court Martial Mutiny, which just missed my list, but excellent in that as well. One of my favorites. Oh, yeah. I like, but top to bottom, Nolan found a way to make a basically a courtroom drama. One of the most thrilling, gigantic, scary. I'll never forget the scene where he has to give the speech, the victory speech at the end. And he starts after they've dropped the bomb and he starts seeing the melting faces in the crowd. I will never forget how much Jen gripped my wrist watching that sequence and said it was the scariest, scarier than any horror movie. I dude, I think I I always think about like uh, the Gary Oldman as Truman, that whole sequence and Gary Oldman is such a baby. Yeah, his eyes are almost like bully black. He looks like Sam Watterson and fucking Nixon. It's so scary. Like it like and a rule. Like it's the it, revelation yeah. in Murphy's face, like no one gets it. Yeah. No one's just, going to get it. And what if they're I just done? as crude what on top I, as what like... if I opened? And that was another thing too. It's like you feel like, oh, back in those days, these were leaders who had it together. They won World War II. They beat the Nazis. They, you know, whatever. No, no, it's all just as selfish and crude and mean <laughs> and short-sighted. Yeah. Because even him, the movie's in the doc the movie does not let him off the hook. No, it and how short-sighted like... and sure how short-sighted and arrogant he was. Yeah. And then it was too late and it didn't matter how many times he was like, I feel bad. Yeah, yeah, he can't doesn't he can't yeah, he couldn't. I love the ending. I love yeah, like and the ending know, is like yeah, just they oh, all man. everything how everything coalesces and both yeah storylines and how both he and Downey are in purgatory. Yep, in their own separate purgatories. Yep, oh, faced man. with I... the faced with the, them opening the door to annihilation. God. Also, <laughs> shout out to Robert Downey. He's so good in it. Like his like he's back. He's back. That's what, love... that's what they were talking about, man. He's totally back. Like, like he's no he's like he made a ton of money. He became yep. a giant number number top five A list guy. Yeah. And now he can be back to playing freaking Paul in uh Zodiac the rest of his life. Yes. Doing all sorts of great weird supporting guys. <laughs> Just being a fun character actor man again. For yeah, sure. And, I mean I yeah, I was thinking of how good he was in um you remember One Night Stand? He's so good in that. He's so good at that. He's so in a movie that doesn't like deserve him. God no, damn. not not a particularly good movie, but um, yeah, he's great he, in it. <laughs> so he just has a great like. He's like Paul Giamatti too, in the sense that like he just has a good like his like persona. The Robert his Robert Downey Jr. ness is so Wind inherently Harness. entertaining. Yeah, so, yeah, you love you know you like seeing him no matter what. But when harnessed and pointed in the right directions. Ooh. You get something like this, and he's so good. Such a good foil. But tragic, and they find dimensions to him, too. Mm-hmm. It's all of it. And then, yeah, the big simple reveal at the end is so... So good. So oh, dynamic. Man. And yeah. the world is so... 
I already have a ticket for the Tenet re-release in 70 millimeter. Oh, The hell yeah. world is Christopher Nolan's oyster. He's Dude, the ten, ten he's two, the number bring... one. He's the number one guy. Yeah, please. Yeah, if he really wanted to cash in his chips, Tenet two is the yeah. best. <laughs> is his best option. Yeah. Two Tenet two. Keep it a palindrome. Let's do it. He could do whatever he wants with as much money as he wants with whatever cast he wants. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. Maybe it... 1995 Steven Spielberg coming off of. Schindler's List in Jurassic Park in 94 in the same year is the yeah. closest equivalent I can think of of this level of like he can do whatever he wants anything he's the number one guy like Man. and I love that hearing about him like this Tenet re-release just to show like oh we could have done this with Tenet 2 this could have been a billion dollar movie and then doing it the week before Dune 2 and saying we're just warming up the projectors for Denny and Dune 2 Ooh. Like, he's a man. He's, he's just man. The man. He's he's the man. Like, there's no rules. Like, he yeah. fucking rules. He's, he's, he's the, the man. Like, he's yeah. He's it's all. He's 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 playing at a high. He, I guess the only yeah the only guys he can talk about right now who's playing at the same level, but he just doesn't work as much as Cameron. Yeah, well, I, you know, and what's nice too about Christopher Nolan is he never, you know, he, he did his time in um big block. And, you know, he still makes big boss blockbusters, I guess but he did his time with like an IP and that time is done and he gets to like, yeah, I can't well, wait to see what other like insane biography, uh, you know, I guess it biopic. fell apart, but I mean, you know, his dream mm. bond. Oh yeah. He's always wanted bond. And I guess that, Launched in negotiations, but they wouldn't give him cool. carte blanche. You need and to give him carte blanche. You got to give him carte blanche. Let him. Let yeah. him take. Let him take the like. Yeah, like he's not gonna like let him do it. He's think, not yeah, gonna, hurt he's gonna it. break like, it. Yeah, he's no. gonna break it. Like, come on, he's gonna make it better. You ding dongs. Yeah, like, I know, yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be awesome. Like, yeah, you think like yeah, you think freaking like who are you gonna get like with Sam Mendes? You gonna get him to direct? I mean, although those are the best ones, like Skyfall rules. I love Skyfall. Yeah, no, no, I mean, but I mean, even Sam Mendes would be like, oh, I want to see what Christopher Nolan exactly. does. Everybody, exactly. everybody Everyone. wants to see what he does with Bond. But, Everyone, which we can live in our hearts and minds that um, Tenet is his Bond movie, secretly. Oh yeah. Ooh. Okay, my number one. Cool. Let's see it. Oh my gosh, I loved. Saw this movie at AFI Fest, and it was um, just it was like a serious revelation. And I have to see like every movie. This I need to do the deep dive on this director. I'm so it is for uh, your birthday episode. Let's do it for your birthday episode. We will do do it. We were gonna do we're gonna do a deep dive. It is uh, Nuri, and I'm probably pronouncing this incorrectly. Nuri Bilge Ceylon's about dry grasses. Wow. It is. Oh, my God. It's a serious fucking movie. It's so it's 197 minutes long. It's a long <laughs> movie. So, like, you know, prepare to be seated for quite some time. But, man, I'm going to give the little blurb. It's a young art teacher hopes to be transferred to Istanbul after competing his completing his mandatory duty in a remote village school in Anatolia. After accusations of inappropriate contact with a student surface, his hopes of escape fade as he descends further into an existential crisis. And so this is like a slow burn movie. There's three characters that are kind of like the primary leads. There is a um, kind of this man who uh, kind of views himself as like, 
maybe more intellectual than his surroundings. They live in um this like he's a teacher in this uh small school and like and Anatolia is like the part of Turkey that's like that big chunk. It's the Asian part of Turkey. And that's where he uh, shoots most of his stuff, I believe. Ah, uh, right, right, right. And it's it is gorgeous, by the way. And I didn't realize um this film, you realize Turkey, there is so much culture. There is so much diversity. There is so much um even like in terms of like weather, like you know, the, the it's it's so snowy where they're at. It looks like they're almost like filming in like fucking Alaska or something. Like people are like you know driving around on like snow machines and oh cool. It, it feels like yeah, it feels like you're like watching a you know a movie like based in Fairbanks or something at times. And you have him. You have another character. Uh, you have two characters uh, that are Kurdish. Um, one is a uh, another is a as a teacher as well. Um, and then you have a third, the third lead who, uh, she is, uh, incredible. I'm going to try the uh, best actress at the Cannes Film Festival for this, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Deserved. She's so good in this movie. Her name is a Merve Dizdar. I'm probably pronounced that incorrectly. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's like, it's such a, a, she's a listener. (laughs) Oh no, no Merv. I'm sorry. Merv, I like Merv, like Merv, Merv, Merv Griffith, Merv, <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, she plays a um, you know, a Kurdish kind of like a uh, another like she was a um, she has a past as a uh, like a protester, and uh, she was very political. But then she lost a leg at a protest, Ooh. um, and she's dealing with that, you know, and uh. You kind of it's a slow bird movie and you watch these characters kind of interact with each other over the course of this 197 minutes. And um, in the background, there is um, the uh, the the main lead, the De- De- Denise uh, Kelilogu, who uh, he is Samet, who's incredible in this movie, too, as well. And he has like he has that like, you know, he's balding. He has kind of like this big face. He's a little paunchy. Um there's just like a there's like a a petulant menace to him that a lot of actors have a hard time. Like it's it's a it's a tough thing to pull off. Like this very like um he seems like nice and personable, but then he can be like also very like um like biting and uh, and cruel and just like cutting. It sounds like it sounds like Peter Sarsgaard's playing him in the American remake. Oh, dude, 100%. He's so Peter Sarsgaard-esque. He has, like, even thinking, if you take a look at him, they have similar faces, similar energy. Um, And uh, he, like, gives, like, uh, I think he, like, he kind of gives a gift to a student, and the student misinterprets that, and the student, I think, has, like, a crush on him. And so the student ends up, like, you know, saying that like he was like inappropriate to her and then also and uh includes like his friend like the third lead the the other the other teacher that is uh the kurdish teacher he gets involved in that as well and then while that's happening they both meet this like lady this kurdish lady who was like who's lost her leg and they sort of have this weird like threesome they have or not a threesome, not a threesome. They have like a love triangle, love triangle. Okay, I apologize. Yeah. Not a threesome, not a threesome. It's okay. But uh, but what ends up happening is it's clear that the lady loves the Kurdish guy, and the other guy is 
like mad about oh, it because he seething. loves this. He's seething, and so the movie just kind of like goes to these places where it um at a certain point uh, I don't know how much I want to spoil because you know I'm not I'm gonna like leave out uh, some of the I, I know I, I want to see it real bad yeah so, okay I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna but I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna go any further this is enough because like let's just say like those are the like the these are like the initial the pieces are in play now these are the, the these are where okay. like the pieces I mean, are where they play you have me intrigued yeah. by all and, these and, and, yeah the and setup it, and it leads, and there's also another moment in the movie where the movie kind of, I'll just say that it, it breaks reality momentarily. That's all I'll say. Mm. And it's such a wild, cool moment. And I still have no, it's kind of like uh, akin to when the novelist film has its big moment at the oh, end of the movie. Wow, it's one of those cool. sort of things. And, and I'm exciting. still. And I'm still just like, what does this mean? I don't know what it means. But and it's um and there's also these incredible moments. There's like a dinner party scene where um two people in this uh, I'm not gonna say who, but like two people from this love triangle, um they go to a dinner and uh, one person uh is absent, and so these two people just end up having like a conversation that I think like lasts like 30 minutes in the movie, and it's just like two people talking about like their political beliefs and their like personal philosophies. And it's just, ah, oh, God, it rules. I love it. So I, I don't know. I love yeah. that as your number one. I think it sums up this entire conversation, too, about kind of the pleasures mm. of being challenged yes, by movies that's... and how many of them there were this year. Yeah, like, and... and But also, I mean, there's wonderful ones like the Mission Impossible film where it's just kind of just true yeah. joys of entertainment. Too. For sure, like yeah, and it's like yeah, you got you know you need your jewels, you need your Mission Impossible's, but then you also really need your Oppenheimers and about dry grasses. You need like uh-huh. an ultimate, films. the ultimate pleasurable film of like the holdovers, which we yes. both which crossed over on both of our lists. Yeah, we I think this is was this like the year with the most crossover. I think we had three. Yeah, but I mean they were the three I could have guessed before we even yeah. jumped on the air. We're gonna that is be the true. three. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, uh, quick rundown: my top ten from ten. No, from one. Let's do it from one. Uh, number one: Oppenheimer. Number two: Killers of the Flower Moon. Number three: Memory. Number four: Pacifiction. Number five: May December. Number six: The Eight Mountains. Number seven: Past Lives. Number eight: RMN. Number nine: A Fire. And number ten: The Holdovers. What were your top ten again? Number one, about dry grasses. Number two, Asteroid City. Number three, Oppenheimer. Number four, The Holdovers. Number five, Jewels. Number six, Killers of the Flower Moon. Number seven, Passages. Number eight, Cobweb. Number nine, Mission Impossible. Uh, Head Reckoning Part One. A lot going on there. Number (laughs) ten, Blackbeard. (laughs) Awesome. If you want to know, my number my number eleven was David Fincher's The Killer, but we'll talk about that at some point soon in our David Fincher series. Yeah, what a fun one! Um, we want to hear your top tens. Yeah, Uh, like we're gonna leave this on a positive note. Let's hear about your top ten movies a year. Email us at the Academy Academy Podcast at gmail dot com, or check in with us at Eck on X at the Acad Acad. We want to know. Yeah, or Jen, just yell in the background. Just call it Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> I, I tried. I tried. I tried. <laughs> I don't use either. He doesn't yeah, deserve I'll, what she said, and she's she's right. Um, yeah, uh, and, and I'll tell you what. Like, if you actually send us in, we'll 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 uh we'll announce it on the pod. If you give us yeah. your top ten, we'll say it. We'll say it. At least, you, at least you're number one. We'll do an informal poll. We'll do it all. 
Yeah. Uh, next next week on the program, we return to regularly scheduled programming with an Antoine Fuqua double feature. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we'll be talking about. 2016's The Magnificent Seven, uh, which is currently on AMC Plus or can be rented or picked up on disc. Also, back paired back to back with 2018's The Equalizer Part Two, currently on Hulu, can also be rented or picked up on disc. The week after that, we got a doozy of a picture. Currently on Paramount Plus and a brilliant, wonderful Blu-ray edition, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo Ooh. from David Fincher from t- in t- from 2011. Wow, can't wait to revisit that one. Man, yeah, huh. I haven't seen that in so I haven't seen it since 2011. I'm excited to rewatch Un- it. Unpleasant movie, but yeah. <laughs> we'll get into it. You read the book? ten out of ten frowns. You ever read the book? Uh, you, no, I haven't read the Steve Larson book. Unfortunately, no, me neither. Yeah, Remember. Everybody was reading it on airplanes for a year and a half, certainly. My, my mom read it. She was uh, There was a moment where my mom was really into Scandinavian uh, crime fiction. Actually, um, my mom used to have a store called Impromptu, and it was right next to a uh, a murder mystery themed, like the store. It was like crime novel, uh, detective novel themed bookstore, literally called Murder by the Book. I, Great. I really, really hope we can find an excuse someday to watch The Snowman. Yes. I yes. mean, oh, well, let's see. Val Kilmer's in it. Maybe we'll do a Val Kilmer pop. Uh, if, we, if, we, if we do Michael Fassbender one-off, we could do that as the wild card. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do want to see what those clues are. I need to see. No, Mr. I, Policeman. I, I... I gotta know. I gotta know. It can't It can't be as bad as everyone says, right? Um, yeah. I mean, directed by Let the Right One In. He's good. I know. It, there was talent involved. Cool. Regardless, this was a very fun time. We talked about some very cool movies. I think we got some wrecks from each other. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what we didn't say about Dry Grasses? I think is still yet to come out officially nah, yeah, in the United yeah, States. It was it got a brief run to get Oscar uh, consideration for Turkey for international film. But um, I think we're still about a month out from its actual release. But uh, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to. So good. I, I am. He is. This filmmaker, Ceylon, is such a blind spot. For me, I'm yeah, I'm like, I'm uh, really, I, I'm, I think I need to watch Once Upon a Time in Anatolia. I'm excited. I want to see all of his movies. This is that's a great, uh, it's a birthday movie. reminder that yeah. I want to see all of his movies. So we'll, we'll definitely be getting into his work, um, later on this year. But for now, Patrick, I'm done. We will see you next week on the Academy Academy. No, no joke ending this time. No joke ending. This was all, this was no spoofs and goofs. Very light on no. spoofs and goofs this episode. Serious. Yeah, very serious episode. Well, you know, we take lists seriously. <laughs> yeah, I live for the list. I live for the list. God, wake up. If you don't fall asleep, you can't fall in love and land on you won't smell the roses if you never plant a seed and you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep.